Yo, this is Conan. You're listening to World of Wrestling Podcast with Tax and Rich. Boom. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the World of Wrestling Podcast. My name is Rich, and as always, I'm joined remotely by my good buddy, Tax Williams. <laughs> How are you doing? You all right? Good. This isn't the second time we've recorded this. Definitely not. <laughs> not at all. The intro we recorded beforehand. Oh, man. What an outstanding intro, but oh. it's just too good for, too good for human consumption. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, man? Yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing good. Um, as I said, as I said in the last uh, last couple of episodes, you know, it's quite, you know, despite all the chaos in the world, still quite enjoying my lockdown, spending time with my wife, my child, working out when I want, getting fitter, getting healthier for when we're ready to go back in. But also by having some lockdown time, I've had some chance to look into a top UK independent wrestling promotions uh, finances. Yeah, we talked. Did you put this on Twitter a little bit? I mentioned I on Twitter that it, as we had to delay last week's pod to now, it gave me a bit more time to research Progress Wrestling's, or should I say, JJG Partners Limited, uh, financial results for the year ended 31 July 2019. Okay, because as far as I'm aware, um, from mainly from your messages and what was floating around Twitter, is that A, they made a lot of money, B, they put their taxes way more publicly than they needed to, and B, there seems to be in some sort of backlash on Twitter because they made a lot of money. And uh, yeah. I haven't quite understood, like, why it was bad or good or whatever. So I'm genuinely intrigued to see what your explanation of it all is, really. So from a fan standpoint, I'll, st- I'll, I'll get on to the wrestler standpoint of this uh, shortly. And this isn't meant to be a slate on progress because we should genuinely be celebrating what we're about to discuss so online if you uh follow some of the uk independents hmm. you might have seen some of the chatter that the directors of progress up to july 2019 which were glenn joseph Jin smallen and rich's mate john briley oh yeah um they paid themselves dividends so from their shareholdings in the company in the year ended 31 July 2019, £273,428 between them. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. And that's, that's up £120,000 on the prior year results. So, so in double. 2018, well, one hundred twenty pounds up. So basically, if you're thinking right, just okay. over, if they all had equal um, shares, which I don't think they did in the original share structure... It's about 50, 60 grand each a year, mm-hmm. not considering if there's a salary. Because again, as these accounts are on the public record, you don't have to disclose as much information as you would if you were a big corporate PLC. But some of the take-homes from this were, obviously, they would have had the profits from the, from the Hello Wembley show in that year. So September 18 was when they had Hello Wembley, so they would have had higher gate receipts or higher profits. But here's the interesting thing that I don't think anyone or commentators online have really considered doing this. So in their accounts, it shows what the company's tax liability is. So in the accounts, and again, this isn't saying that this doesn't include historic debt. This is based on an assumption that uh, that Progress or JJG Partners Limited pay their tax on time, which you would accept from a punk rock uh, <laughs> ethos to pay their tax on time. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Funny, but carry on. Their corporation tax liability per the accounts is £42,505. Okay, what which does that number mean ha- to a simpleton? Explain. 
What's that number? So that's how th- that means basically assuming they've got this is purely tax on their business profits. Progress Wrestling turned over a profit in July to, of the year to July 2019 of 221,052 pounds. Right. So that's profit. So that's income, less expense, less any tax adjustments. That's actually lower than last year's profit. So they actually made less taxable income in this year. Right, okay. So, but still, 200K for an independent professional wrestling company is exceptional. But here's the kicker. At the end of 2018, the company's balance sheet, so essentially how a lot of people would maybe value a company, is was um, £131,274. At the end of 2019... The company's balance sheet value was thirty nine thousand fifty four pounds. So they lost value dramatically. That that is following on for the next part of the online tale, which I don't know if anyone has picked up on um, through what I've read online. So Progress now have like four hundred twenty thousand pounds in the bank account as at July twenty nineteen. But so nearly they also million. exactly, but they had creditors or debts totaling £382,000. And that was made up largely of accruals and deferred income. So that's money they owed to people or, and again, based on the level of detail in the accounts, you don't know whether that's owed to creditors, that's money they stockpiled for loans or something like that. Potentially maybe a wealthy benefactor. Wait, wait, you're losing me now. So, so, is this someone that has bought into progress, they've invested into progress and that's why progress have debt? No, th- this is essentially if they were going to have um, future payments for something, which potentially, but a large chunk of this could move on to what occurred in Progress Wrestling on the 17th of February of 2020. So Jim Smallman officially resigned as a director on the 19th of December 2019, right. but he didn't sell his shares. So up to the 17th of February 2020, any dividends or monies paid out to the shareholders would have still gone to Jim because he's still a shareholder. But on the 17th of February, the company JJG Partners Limited, i.e. John and Glenn, bought Jim's shares back off him. So the company bought the shares. So Glenn and, G- uh, Glenn and John don't own these shares. The company paid Jim Smallman an amount of money for his 45 shares in JJG Partners Limited. Do you know how much money they paid Jim Smallman, or sorry, the company bought Jim Smallman's shares for? Go for it. £80,000. Okay. That's a huge amount of money and a fantastic investment. And again, if you're thinking that on a year, they would make, let's say 2018, they made 50 grand each from dividends, and this year they made another, let's say, 90 grand each. Um, <laughs> through, through through shares, yeah, um, and obviously don't don't forget. Let's let's not sugarcoat this. The fact that these guys have earned this money is fantastic, and they will be in the high rate of tax for some of their dividends. So let's say all of their dividends over forty grand. So fifty grand of that is going to be taxed at thirty two and a half percent. So they're going to lose a massive chunk of that unless they've got some good tax counsel. And based on whoever's filed these accounts, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay 
Dude, um, I, I love it how you think I am following what you're saying. I have no fucking idea what you're talking about right now. I'm sure there is someone listening to this podcast that's like, wow, this is amazing. For me, you've just but, said a bunch of numbers. And I understand what the numbers are and where they come from and stuff. What I don't no, I think, understand I, I, is what, what it means. Does it mean that they've made an excessive amount of money? Does it mean they fucked up and they should have not gone with WWE and kept being independent because they would have made 10 times the amount of money? Like, What does all this mean? Well, this thing, none of the payments out that you can tell here a lot a, a large chunk of their reserves were paid as dividends to Jim <laughs> lot John of, and Glenn these reserves are paid dividends i don't know what that means so basically <laughs> the money that's in the company yeah. so you know i mentioned it lost its about like 100k in value sure that's largely due to a all the money going to the directors and the reason why the directors which are just Jim Glenn and John at that stage sure they paid that money out because obviously Jim was leaving so they want to drain down the reserves before any other. They want to drain down the company's bank accounts and funding. So when a new person comes in, or like they've done here, the company buys it, Jim's not going to lose out because he, uh, you know, he should have his fair share of what he got to. But the main topic of discussion here. So obviously the fans, we saw some tongue-in-cheek stuff of like, um, oh, you're start, you're trying to get us to buy your merch. By the way, their stocks at the end of the year was worth £3,090 if you want any progress merch. That's the value of what they hold. Um, David Starr. Mm-hmm. David Starr seemed to be supporting the boys on Twitter about the need for transparency and the fact that progress's results showed how much money the company made. So I said to you, I said to a few other people, I was like, well, hang on a minute. And I've said on this podcast before my feelings about We the Independent. I'm very glad that David Starr believes this is the right way to go, but I don't think it's going to work in this industry. I'd love to be proved wrong, but case in point so far, it hasn't worked. But still, he was going on about transparency and how wrestling companies need to be more transparent. So I tweeted David Starr and I suggested, well, hang on a minute. If you're saying that there needs to be more transparency in here, and again, whether rightly or wrongly, Progress disclosed these accounts. And again, they've dis- they've displayed their accounts in a accounting format that shows these dividends. Whether they could have done that or found a way around it is you know neither here nor there. Their, their information's out in the public record. But I asked David Starr, well, if you're all for transparency, even if you don't have to based on the size of your company, are you going to confirm the amount of dividends that you paid yourself, you and James paid yourself from this company? Um, and he responded to me. And in fairness, you know, it was a very, as, as you saw on Twitter, a very um, polite discussion on the old uh, on the old Twitter. You know, everyone loves a public forum when you're discussing finance with a a uh, with a, a certified, very popular wrestler. So you know, I was <laughs> like, oh, it's got to be a bit brave here. And his response was, publishing this information is absolutely a part of transparency. It's a good thing. And yes, we, the independent, like other companies, will have its information published on Companies House. At this stage, I don't think he realized who I was. Right. He, I followed up by saying, but what I'm saying here, if you're, you only have to require under micro-entity rules, i.e. You, you present like six figures, and you don't have to say how much money the company's paid you from your shareholdings. I said, are you going to tell me that you're going to provide additional disclosure for transparency and his response is you know we'll do what's required i suppose whatever transparency is necessary we'll do it we don't have anything to hide or to fudge and then he followed it with 
But regardless of that, it's a bit of whataboutism that doesn't really make sense to invoke here. So he's right. I don't need to invoke it in the public forum. So I sent him a DM. <laughs> sure. And here's where it got interesting. And you know how I have already said to you that I don't think it's a good idea to do private conversations publicly, but you did talk to him about talking about it on the pod, yeah? I did say to David Starr, I said, you know, obviously I, I have a podcast with, you know, if you choose to think we have a decent listenership or no listenership, are you happy for me to discuss this on the podcast? He said the only thing that he doesn't want discussed is any discussions of his personal finances or investments in We The Independent, which, again, I would not do. But essentially, David Starr's gripe, as such, is how the wrestlers have been valued by companies such as Progress. And he was very keen to add that he this isn't just beef with Progress. This is purely beef with the transparency of how much wrestling promotions make. And he wanted to be, be very clear that this isn't him trying to, his words were, dunk on Progress. Because we should be celebrating that they've made this amount of money. But... I think his v- version of things were like, because um, we discussed his uh, death match with Havoc at Chapter 100. You can uh, listen to us review that in the archives at worldwrestlingpodcast.com. Yeah, boy. And he was saying that considering the amount of money that they made, the boys should be paid more money. And I said to him, well, at the end of the day, David, it's, it's down to you to negotiate. If there's money in place and they feel that a wrestler or a talent has that value, and that's what a talent values himself as, I'm sure Progress would pay the money. His response was, well, you know, he's never had a problem with Progress. They've always paid him what he's asked for. He's only had to renegotiate once, and he's only had to, and they pay what he asked for. He's never had any quibble with it. But I think his view was, well, if they're making this amount of money, they should they should offer up a bit more money. And I said to him, I said, well, David, with respect, if I'm running a business, regardless if I've got WWE, I'm in WWE's top pocket or something like that, I'm not going to go to my members of staff or my contractors or whoever, whatever you want to deem yourself and say, hello, David Starr, or A, another wrestler, you've negotiated pounds X for your, your appearance with us today. We think that's too low based on our profit margin, so we'd like to pay you an extra pounds x it's never gonna happen i i know some business will go you guys have had a really busy month here you go here's 50 quid grab yourself a takeaway that's great but you're the the money in place yes it'd be great if it could be used for the other boys but it just seems to be oh we need more transparency no we just need better negotiating skills and with we the independence whole concept is you shouldn't work for nothing you should always work for your fee if you think you're worth more because a company owes more, then up your rates. And then if Progress don't want to use said wrestler or any other wrestling company doesn't want to use you, know your value. I get I get annoyed when I see wrestlers going, oh, I should be paid this or I should be paid that. If you've negotiated a rate and you've agreed it with a company, as I said to him on Twitter, I, you know, it's not you've got yourself to blame, David, but now if you're aware of these figures and you do get to work for Progress again in the future you know what ballpark you're playing with. Dude, I think you went like five Brock Lesnar matches for that. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Before this pod starts, it would be really good if we get WrestleMania 17 done in an hour and a half, and I've just gone on for 17 minutes about progress finances. Hey, it's interesting. I'm not sure like what it all means still. And, uh, you know, I don't disagree with you. I think the boys should be paid well. That's all that matters to me. 
Um, but basically, long and short, independent. Yeah, independent wrestling, progress the last two years. They've had taxable profits of over £200,000, and that should be celebrated. So it's a good thing that we've got a fantastic, thriving scene in in British wrestling up to the start of COVID. But COVID-19, 19 years ago this year, we had WrestleMania 17. (laughs) I'm disappointed. That was at Michael Cole levels of bad fucking hell. (laughs) So, luckily he was on on commentary today. So, WWF WrestleMania 17, a.k.a. WrestleMania X-7, commonly referred to as WrestleMania X-7, fully titled WWF WrestleMania X-7-Houston, we have a problem. Yes, I love a tagline. Legitimately, the name of the pay-per-view is not WrestleMania X-7, it's WrestleMania X-7-Houston, we have a problem. WrestleMania live this Sunday on pay-per-view. We are in the Astrodome in Houston and giddy God, that is a lot of fucking people. Um, 67.925 with a gate of $3.5 million. Yeah. So about the same as a progress dividend. <laughs> <laughs> this a... <laughs> <laughs> so I've got a bit of a sore throat. Oh, so excuse COVID. me. COVID. Yeah, fucking hope not. Um, so this is the 19th highest WWE attendance of all time. So it breaks the top 20, which is pretty cool. Uh, we're the 1st of April 2001. And they pull the ultimate April Fools on this show. And this, I would officially say, and I know this is sort of what's agreed with online, this pay-per-view marked the end of the Attitude Era. This was when yeah. the Attitude Era ended for me on this on the 1st of March 2001. Let's, Sorry, 1st of April 2001. Let's try and get through the card relatively quickly because let's face facts here. If, if people are listening to this podcast and they're wrestling fans and they haven't seen WrestleMania 17, I think you should probably stop the podcast and just go spend, you know, three hours, 45 minutes watching WrestleMania 17 because... It's it's notoriously known as the best pay-per-view of all time, the best WrestleMania of all time, at the very least. Um, and it, it has some of the most iconic moments in pro wrestling of all time. It's really we simple. Mentioned, we mentioned in, in, the, in the previous episode, part one of the Austin Rock trilogy, when you look at WrestleMania 15, one of the only snapshots that wrestling fans remember is Boss Man hanging from a cage. Yeah. There's no real memorable moments other than yeah, Austin Rock in the main event. Yeah, of course, yeah. But the match but is... This, okay this pay-per-view... And, yeah, go on. This pay-per-view has so many like clips in their like their montages and everything of what happened and considering we are only sort of two three weeks removed from vince buying wcw as well which Mm. people tend to look overlook 19 years on so let's talk about um like post wrestlemania 17 and the whole end of the attitude era and stuff maybe at the end of the pod because i think that's the bit we need to get to yeah um but let's uh let's fly through this card relatively quickly so we don't want to be sitting here and everyone's seen this show so let's just uh if i just end up describing the matches you've seen like 10 times you know it seems a bit stupid <laughs> so we're on pay-per-view <laughs> i watched it on the network i'm assuming you did too 
Yep. Um, cool. When can you remember watching this live when you were younger? I have, not only can I remember watching it live, uh, I definitely couldn't watch it live because I had a rugby match the next day. I remember it being really weirdly. There was a Monday tournament, like I was getting on a coach to go on a tour or something. And so my experience of WrestleMania 17 was coming home from said rugby tour game, whatever it was, getting my VHS that I'd set to record at 1am on Sky Sports 1 and uh, putting it in my VHS and watching it the whole way through until Vincent Mann gets in the ring in the main event and then the VHS cut out. Yep, because that must have been the usual like fifteen minute follow on from the because unless you recorded in long play, that would have been the end of your VHS. Cause they're normally yeah. about three hours long, weren't they? Uh huh. The fucking recording. I was the angriest yeah. young man has <laughs> ever been. Uh, how about you? What's been your first I'm, experience? I bunked off uh, double French nice. in the morning to because I thought watching the hottest ever teacher um, not teach me French because you're in a bunch of grammar school boys being like <laughs> dribbling her. I thought no I'd rather watch men in pants touch each other fucking A it's not gay at all so I sat there from so 8 in the morning <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'll brush over that I'll, um, I was sat there in my it's house it's okay in... we've got gay friends you've got a gay brother we can say these things <laughs> this is fine <laughs> he's, he's no family of mine <laughs> <laughs> but um we we i was sat there uh like in my house eight in the morning after my parents had both gone to work i was like oh yeah i'm definitely going to school see you later warming up the moped outside i was like nope <laughs> <laughs> and um i just sat there and watched four hours of at the time what i thought was the greatest wrestling card i'd ever seen so i remember watching this the first time and going yeah yeah that was pretty good <laughs> I was furious because I didn't get to watch the ending and I think I just literally watched Raw and saw that that was the finish so I didn't even know the the, the whole thing that happens at the end once well just in case um, but yeah I remember like honestly hmm oh I want to save this for the end but fuck it alright I'll say it now this is a two maybe three match card the... uh, I, I, I respectfully disagree okay let's let's we'll get through that's why i see this is why we need to go through the matches first so i can tell you how bad this show is before (laughs) anyway so commentary no michael cole fuck yeah jim ross paul Heyman. we all know we love him we don't even need to talk about it three simple questions here is this the best wrestlemania ever is it the best wwe pay-per-view ever and will this live up to the hype let's get into it i'm gonna do it because you know it's wrestlemania 17 (laughs) you know it's gonna happen just gonna give it like 10 seconds set the scene you know Goosebumps. I don't even like Limp Bizkit. And I get goosebumps every time I hear this song. You can see Rock and Austin hitting each other with chairs and shit, you know, every time you hear it. Yeah, and as soon as, the, as, soon as it drops in, when they're like exchanging strikes, booyaying in the middle of the ring. I'm just going to leave it quietly in the background, let it go, and we'll carry on. <laughs> so It's amazing how many people are like, oh, I hate Limp Bizkit. I've always quite liked Limp Bizkit, but... Limp Biscuit and Creed, the bands of the two most iconic yeah. WWE like video packages, and maybe Kid Rock for one of them as well. <laughs> but what a bar, baby! So uh, we get a Legacy of WrestleMania video package, voiceover classy Freddie Blassie. Welcome to WrestleMania, the showcase of the immortals. I timed this really well. 
All that wrestle talk editing is really starting to pay pay dividends for you. And not you, progress dividend, but it's paying dividends. I, I knew the, the breakdown was coming, and I was like, man, if I time this right, <laughs> I might get it. That was really good. I'm, I'm uh, very impressed. Good work. My podcast career has peaked, I think, there, mate. I actually got a fucking link in time. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, cue my way by limp motherfucking biscuit. Uh, quick trivia. Spell biscuit. <laughs> I think you'll find it uh, B I S C U I T. How do Limp Biscuit spell biscuit? Go on, Incorrectly. Give it a shot. Go on. Is it B I Z K I T? Yeah, look at you. In one. Well played, mate. So, and now, Snickers Cruncher presents the granddaddy of them all. Yeah. WrestleMania. Um, you know, my way, my way, all over the top of it. It's fucking incredible. Uh, queue live into this fucking giant dome and oh my god the amount of signs in the crowd it's it's, it's insane the atmosphere imagine trying to get those checked now hello we'd like to check sixty thousand <laughs> signs please <laughs> it literally is i mean i jokingly tweeted out the whole thing from the account of did texas run out of like luminous signs because it's <laughs> bright pinks and yellows and greens everywhere it's 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 a wall it looks like a shield wall from a fucking battle you know can you imagine that now? So if they bought, if you managed to get the fans bringing signs back to the level they do back in the end of the Attitude Era, mm. and when they're trying to get people to bid for cities, <laughs> um, for WrestleMania, go and your stationery industry is going to go through the roof if they make signs locally. <laughs> so I mean, it's for me the reason I took a sign to a crowd as a kid was so that I could see it on TV and go, look, there I am. Is it because we've got high def cameras now that people don't take signs because you can see yourself anyway? I think it's probably more due to what you can and can't take into shows. Oh, you reckon if you they think would that- stop you? Because, I mean, I remember being at the, um, oh, my God, was it Capital Carnage or Insurrection or one of those shows? And there was a kid who had uh, a sign like three rows in front of me and we were just on the flat. And he would just lift up this sign randomly the whole way through the show. And every time he did, it blocked out the entire ring. I, but I, I think that's part of the reason. I think it's the fan enjoyment because now WWE is a bit more of a young youth young person's crowd you don't want to have like a seven-year-old not be able to see the whole show but i will also say let's be honest about it but well but i'll also go with another thing that a lot of these signs when they are bought to shows would be rolled up in a like with maybe a rubber band over the top of them so obviously health and safety gone mad oh they might fire rubber bands so we can't have that yeah but you'll also notice because i i thought going into this the volume of signs and i looked at a few shows post 9-11 right and that's the real downturn of signs being taken to shows now i don't know if that's Hmm. just coincidence or if it's a security measure because if you think if they're going to roll up these signs what potentially could be inside the signs and again there's no evidence to do it it was just a couple of glances at pay-per-views and shows pre-9-11 post-9-11 again purely coincidence possibly you can't wear shoes or drink liquids on a plane anymore (laughs) you can't take signs to wrestling (laughs) there's nothing i hate more following 9-11 i mean obviously there's lots of things i hate more but i'm gonna get a bottle of water (laughs) at a gig or a show yes go on (laughs) carol And they're like, oh, we're just going to take this lid. I'm like, well, if I'm going to drink a litre bottle of water, I'm going uh, to be weeing all night long. What? <laughs> uh, but I don't want to just stand and hold a bottle of water. 
because also I might get date raped because oh, I'm not going to put my thumb over this big bottle of water. <laughs> let's move Outrageous. on. Let's move on. Let's move on. So JR welcomes us to the show with over sixty thousand fans and worldwide television audience. We welcome you to Houston, Texas. We welcome you to the Reliant Astrodome. We welcome you to the greatest sports entertainment spectacular of all time. We welcome you to WrestleMania. Like straight away. Uh, JR is the fucking best. And also, he didn't mention anything about that shopping centre, you know, the grandest stage of them all. Oh, for God's sake. Uh, please don't do that the whole way through this <laughs> podcast. That ruined the last one. <laughs> but, like, compared to Cole, it's... it's. I think the content ruined the last one. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, to be fair. The rest of my hair 15 is bad, isn't it? But um, what a relief to not hear Cole doing this intro and hear JR doing it, like, full, like, in his prime at this point, even though technically he's kind of beyond his prime, I guess. Had Cole been on commentary for this, this WrestleMania would not be as well thought of as this is. JR and Heyman make this WrestleMania. Absolutely. Uh, we cut to fans at WWF New York, the restaurant thing on Times Square. Did you ever get a chance? Oh, no. no, Not, not a chance before it was knocked down or sold and everything. Do you know my story? Hit me with this. Far away. Okay. So, as a young man, around this time, I got the very fortunate chance to go to New York with my family. And it was fucking incredible. I loved it. It was a really lovely place. And it's kind of just a bit cleaned up after Giuliani and that. So it was like just really nice, friendly, commercial sort of place to be in, you know? So as a kid, it was great fun. And they WF New York was on Times Square. And I'm like, well, we're doing that. (laughs) (laughs) So I managed to convince uh, my mom, my sister to come to this WF New York restaurant with me one night. I think maybe we did a lunch or an evening thing. And it was, uh, it must have been a Sunday because Sunday night heat was on um obviously they're broadcasting the big screens and because there was a show on uh they also had a live wrestler there (laughs) i was uh what's the word i'm looking for treated to the presence of tommy dreamer (laughs) can you believe oh wow so it must have been after this because obviously the ecw purchase has kind of just happened recently isn't it 2001 ish whatever yeah i think it was about i think it was a month before the wcw purchase ecw went under sweet so part of tommy being there was this kind of trivia quiz thing and they were asking like you know who was flair's opponent at wrestlemania a tax savage good man should have been hogan but it is what it is um and uh he like does the whole thing isn't he he kind of walks to over to where i'm kind of sitting and i'm like Oh, awesome. I'll go, you know, slap hands with Tommy Dreamer. I think, how old was I? 2001. My maths is terrible. 96, 78, 90, 91. So I was what? 15, 14, something like that? Is that right? I'd say so, yeah, because I would have been 17 at the time. Okay. So I, I'm, I'm in that awkward stage where I don't really know what I'm doing myself. And so I go over and I'm like, hey, man thank you for being here or whatever i don't know what i said and he just breezed past me and i was like what a cunt <laughs> right <laughs> and i remember audibly saying something i don't know what it was but he definitely gave me a look and then <laughs> i turned around to see where he was going and he went over to like three tables behind me to the disabled kid <laughs> to go like spend the evening with them and i was like oh i'm just gonna go kill myself like i'm a horrible human being <laughs> I, I i'm just so happy that your interactions with professional wrestlers are always on point mate do you ever wonder why i didn't want to be a pro wrestler if this is what happened every time i bumped into one like fuck me <sighs> so there you go it was it was um weird they served steaks in a bowl <laughs> 
amazing. Yep, that's absolutely true. I remember how my was mom, the steak? I remember my mum complaining about it, going, how am I meant to chop the steak? There's a bowl in <laughs> That answer my question. How do you chop the steak? Well, if it's not a decent cut of meat, then it's not going to work. Yeah. Terrible. Fucking A. Uh, so, cut to JR and Paul Heyman at ringside in all black, like black hat, black glasses, black suits, black shirts, black ties. They look fucking gangster. On point. Yeah, yeah. These boys look so good tonight. And my God, I know they're your favorite commentary team of all time. And um, they're, they're, they're so good. Go on. Rant about them for me. No, they're, like we've already covered, Heyman and JR together like Lawler was becoming a bit stale and having just Heyman just antagonize JR for the whole thing. And you guarantee that Vince was probably before they went out the curtain going, just make sure you give him a hard time, Paul. Just give him a hard time. And as I said, I'll always, I'll always remember this as Heyman's first mania, but I'll always remember Heyman's first commentary on raw when Vince (laughs) McMahon wasn't on headsets with the whole Trish Strash in the ring and went, mom, I'm in, I'm I'm in Washington and I'm going to get to see Bush great isn't it <laughs> talking about stress oh my god and again you definitely couldn't say it today can you imagine <laughs> <laughs> it's, well, it's kind try. of cheeky enough that you could almost get away with it but i know what you mean uh Heyman puts over this is his first wrestlemania ever ever uh, the jericho cl- countdown clock starts explosion break the walls down here we fucking go i'm super hyped this is the first time we see the set tonight and i think it's perfect that yeah the the layout the size of it it's simplistic but elegant and just gets over and again matches the branding of the posters yeah absolutely <laughs> and it feels special it feels huge it's like when you see rocky walking out of this as the very last person and it's nighttime and that big like tall almost greek looking statues thing the either side of it like the two columns that come up across the screen fuck me it looks so imposing and imperial and everything wwe wf is you know the big corporate machine of wrestling it really works and 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 compare that to what you had at 15 in the prior year at wrestlemania 2000 with the entrance weights which are shit and you could tell and that's why again you could tell it marked the end of the attitude era because it wasn't gritty it was look at the high production values we can have and that was the first big i'd say that was the first big mania like staging absolutely yeah yeah it's right it's just fucking gorgeous it's it's, it's still still not the in your house set but <laughs> it's pretty good <laughs> well we'll see what nxt does with that as we were saying with coach wicked um on on twitter yeah. if they don't have the in your house set they've missed the trick and i just won't watch so uh the mighty fink is on the intros tonight he is so so good I think the word iconic is sometimes thrown, sorry, iconic is thrown (laughs) around too much in professional wrestling, but the Fink's announcement, uh, announcing style, there's been no one who's, who's topped in. Justin Roberts had his own style, but never had that feel of the Fink. Absolutely, man. Uh, The thing with the Fink is that I love that time period where they just get him out of the box for WrestleManias, (laughs) you know? Like The Undertaker. (laughs) It felt so special. So, our opening match of the evening, WWF Intercontinental Championship match of our current champion, Chris Jericho, against one of the greatest British wrestlers of all fucking time. Uh, Big Willie. William Regal. My God. I mean, just put these two names together, and I'm like, yeah, that's all right. That'll do. (laughs) Excellent way, and 
and the future blueprint for the next few manias of right let's get the thing started with a really good steady wrestling match to set the bar for the in-ring action get the fans off hot with a a fan favorite start because obviously next year we we ended up with um rvd and regal in the same spot for the same championship but this was the time where jericho was really on his way to the main event scene he'd had his triple threat the prior year at mania with benoit and angle and as you said you know putting regal in the ring with anyone in his heel commissioner role tajiri as his assistant and the story yeah even the silliness of the storyline leading up to it so jericho taking taking issue with the commissioner regal's thing and uh pissing in his tea i mean this is all the opening video package it's so good like immediately they jump you into oh these are the exact moments that matter to this story by the way you're like fuck if only wcw could learn from these the guys there might have been more competition throughout the 2000s you know yeah but this this was a great this was a great starting match two of the greatest of all time in the ring i'd say regal has this hilarious opening line where he goes i love how he kind of plays up the britishisms as well he goes yeah i'll, I'll make him feel like he's been chopped up by a bloody hatchet <laughs> like he's so good there's this smarmy british authority figure ah he's so so much fun so uh the bells bell goes and these two instantly go to town on each other fuck yes this is how you start a show a minute in it's uh jericho getting shined up nicely dives to the outside elbow off the top back in the ring beautiful transitions from sequence to sequence move to move uh the teasing finishes immediately the second the match starts um it's just classic this is how you open wrestlemania as you said man there's not much else to say. We can go through some of the spots if you want, but no, that I mean that that that's it. You know, this is this is this is wrestling. Clap, 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 clap. Absolutely. It's this match is like what five minutes or something. It's really short, isn't it? Se- seven seven minutes long. Yeah. We had for, timed out for this one, but kind of it's what you needed. But, yeah, exactly. It's what this show needed, and there's so much to get in on this show. And it's also where these guys were at on the card at the time. They were the mm. the work the workers' title going to get the crowd hit up because yeah. are you telling me that the uh the the sunday night heat match of x factor <laughs> fucking hell i got everything i ever wanted i'll never keep that back i know you hate x factor yeah i do because i fucking hate x i think i was gonna make that joke later this evening but you already got their head of me so fuck you <laughs> <laughs> and they defeated grandmaster sex and the lethal weapon steve blackman oh, in three minutes yeah. it's like jesus christ so basically yeah. this match boils down to jericho selling the knee of regals just beating the shit out of him uh jericho struggles to lock in the walls of jericho while regal uh locks in the regal stretch uh brain buster lion salt by com- uh, combination by chris jericho for the one two three and on- almost honestly it's kind of a bit of a flash finish it's i think the few deserved more but again you can understand why and how and all the logistics of it really with it being the end of the attitude era as well the 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 flash finish essentially I thought was quite a nice touch because you needed to have, you couldn't have Regal tap. So, but you know, it is what it is. I I enjoyed it. The right person won to to progress their stories. It was nice for Regal at this time in his role and his character. Regal didn't need wins to stay relevant and to stay key to feuds. He was an excellent mid to upper mid card feud 
at this time and he and he did a good job he he made jericho look like a million bucks yeah regal regal like if regal wasn't there throughout the kind of early 2000s end of 99 i think the show's a lot worse he's brilliant on every single one of those shows agreed yeah absolutely so uh jericho wins still the intercontinental champion uh shane arrives in his wcw limo <laughs> who brands the limo it's a bit weird um <laughs> apa and jacqueline <laughs> do the apa office spot like you know where the doors just in the wooden frame there's no actual walls to the office it's kind of fun but i hate jbl so much that it's hard to like anything he's involved with I liked the spots the APA used to do when people wouldn't walk through the door. They just walk around it and they'd send them back to go back through the door. That's the <laughs> spot that always got me. Yeah, that's funny for sure. So uh, basically, J- JBL is from Texas, don't you know? God damn. So, uh, <laughs> and he was here with his dad when they were watching people play cricket ball or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cricket ball, good stuff. So a uh, six-man tag team matchup next of... Um, the APA of Bradshaw and Farouk with it's gonna be Taz <laughs> oh, yeah, hasn't my- he had a good 15 months in WWE since this debuting in Wrestle uh, sorry Royal Rumble 2000 yeah Jesus with Jacqueline versus the right to censor most annoying entrance theme and they did a great job absolutely a bull buchanan the good father and val venus i noticed val didn't have to change his name well it's it's he's he's just he's not it doesn't say penis it, it sh- says it venus should have been like val not penis <laughs> i don't know <laughs> uh they're accompanied by stevie richards or steven richards sorry my bad Who's the d- better worker of all the right sensor who never got to wrestle? Yeah, we uh, Val's a good worker. Let's not give him his due. Uh, so is the Godfather. Bull Cannon's also there. But <laughs> Stevie starts to cut a promo, but he's quickly interrupted by it stares. Um, what is the story here? It's it's a bit weird, isn't it? It's these are bad guys and these are good guys, but we're meant to hate the good guys because they're too prudish. Yeah, basically going into it. The right censor, I believe, took um, took issue with the beer drinking mentality of the APA of just drinking and working. So Stephen Richards basically said, "Well, they were trying to censor the APA." Um, and because we're wrestling fans, we like boobs. So fuck the uh, exactly. right censor. Yeah, because we'd never seen any pre-internet because we're wrestling fans. <laughs> Two thousand one, mate. So um, Taz runs uh, face first into the ropes, which is absolutely beautiful. Do you know the botch bit where they Irish whip him and he doesn't turn? He just goes face first and kind of goes, ooh. EC dub, EC dub. Yeah, it's classic uh, botchamania sort of uh, montage moment. So uh, Taz eventually goes for the hot tag. I have that in massive air quotes to Bradshaw. Um, <laughs> Bradshaw hits a backdrop driver off the top rope to Val Venus, which is pretty fucking awesome. Good father eats the clothesline from hell, and my God, does he lay in the stiff cunt for the one, two, it's almost, three. It's, it's almost like that, uh, Bradshaw taking liberties of in-ring talent. Oh, God. Really? I've never heard that before. For the one, Good two, thing Joey three. Styles didn't knock him out. <laughs> yeah, fucking A. Uh, Bradshaw is in his home state. Um, good filler match. It's all right. It's not bad. It's amazing where Vince normally shits on people when they're, they're in their home state, and he was like, oh, Bradshaw, I'm going to fuck you over. Are you? Ah, oh, no, you're right. <laughs> you go over, Bradshaw. But... Let's just take a second. So, greatest WrestleMania of all time, yeah? Two matches in, it's not, not much to write home about. Oh, uh, no, I, I disagree. That Jericho-William Regal match was, was a fantastic opening WrestleMania it's Seven match. minutes. Opening match. That finishes with a fucking moonsault off the second rope. Yep, lion salt. Yeah. 
Yeah, he fin- he's beating people yeah. with the lion's soul. <laughs> Come on, you know what I'm saying. Kid, you put a kid who like watches NXT weekly in front of this these first two matches. They're gonna go. Where's all the wrestling? Yeah, and they had it with Jericho and Regal. I mean, I'm not deliberately ignoring the second match of the card. <laughs> Well, let's move on, shall we? Let's move on to the next one. <laughs> so uh, Trish uh, pushing about sweet zombie Linda backstage uh, bumps into Steph, who boasts and does Steph things that she would do at this time. Shows off her daddy's little girl jumpsuit. It's really creepy. Um, I love it. <laughs> basically <laughs> tells Trish what to do after Steph wins tonight. So um, can you explain? Make sure you hand, hand crack the ice. <laughs> that's <laughs> what i tell all my butlers absolutely <laughs> with the champagne yeah so of course sweet zombie linda how did she become in the zombified state was it because she got so upset by what vince was doing like by shoving like trish in her face and stuff right that's how it happened wasn't it yeah vince's womanizing pushed linda towards a breakdown so she had to be permanently um sedated including the horrible thing i think on a smackdown where linda had to sit there when vince was like here come here trish (laughs) i'm definitely not getting perks out of this job The, the worst part about it is actually you know vince dumping trish i guess would be the best way to put it like he makes her bark like a dog and shit in the ring Remember that? Yeah, that was the that was the day with the Heyman line. Good lord, that was oof. that's a difficult spot to watch in terms of decency. You know, I mean, uh, me. and also, you know, it it's not like it was a it wasn't a two way street because years from now we had um, Vince making Bischoff make out with Stephanie and Linda. Yeah. So you know, Vince McMahon <laughs> got to get with Trish, Tory. Dawn Marie and Linda got Bischoff. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't all win, can we, Vince? So <laughs> and a place in Trump's cabinet. Ah, <laughs> uh, fuck you know. All right, so uh, Raven makes his entrance with a massive shopping trolley full of gear, and oh shit, it's golf cart time! I knew what was coming the second I saw Raven. Okay, now this is this is great. Okay, <laughs> this is really great. We've got WF Hardcore Title Triple Threat Championship match of Raven, our current champion, versus <laughs> unattainable odds of Kane and Big Show. I remember seeing this when it was announced and going, oh, they're going to kill him. <laughs> and they did. <laughs> Huge pop for Kane. He is so fucking over this gimmick with the fire and the fucking flames and brimstone and shit. 2001 Kane is maybe one of the most over guys in the whole show. 2001 Kane was jacked. Jesus yeah. Christ. It's a shame they didn't do more with him. They could have given him like a year or two with the belt, I feel. You know, especially with Austin and Rock on their down low a little bit. I just think with the um with the mask character, you could you could never really do it for a long term with a mask. Right. Sorry, Nanny's just opening my freezer behind me to put the ice cream in. <laughs> she went out. That's important. Ice cream is keen. What flavor? What flavor <laughs> what ice cream flavor did you get? Did you get? Um, 
Oh, fish food, Ben and Jerry's. Well, yes, that's, that's the best flavor. <laughs> it's the most excessive flavor, that's for sure. No, it's the best flavor. Putting marshmallow in ice cream, yes, please. Uh, and fish chunks, yes, please. I had that realization as you were saying that. Oh, God, I hope Coach Wicked isn't listening to this. <laughs> I don't know why. I think you'd be disappointed in me. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not going to lie, Coach Wicked. I, I love it, but all at the moment I eat is cere- dry cereal and soup. Oh, mate. I didn't eat any of the ice cream. Just say that, Matt, okay? <laughs> not yet, at least. Of course, he just heard you put it in the freezer. You're not going to eat it on the podcast. <laughs> So, uh, Kane comes down to the ring. Raven's already in there, looking very innocent compared to Kane at this point. Uh, Raven jumps Kane before the show has even made his way down to the ring. Uh, show's entrance hits. Has he got the big show music? I can't remember. I watched this like two weeks yep, ago. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Okay, cool. uh, goatee, very big. Two straps on his singlet, big show. Weird. I don't like this one. It's like the anti big show or something. I mean, I still think this is a rib from Raven. Is like, I just want to wrestle Kane. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm going to start. Started walloping him. So the spots in this hardcore triple threat are I- iconic. I've obviously yeah, skipped through like you know the boring bits when they're in the ring doing wrestling. The cameras struggle to fight their way through um, the the massive amount of people and stuff that are, as the wrestlers are heading towards the back. Um, Jr. calls it a throng of humanity. That was like, oh my god, it's nice having you back. Um, as all three men brawl their way into the backstage area, uh, Kane immediately throws Raven through a window. <laughs> Just like, yeah, let's go. This is awesome. <laughs> I mean, that, but at the time when I watched that, I thought that's incredible. But then, as I've rewatched this a few times since, I've gone, "Hang on, that looks like a very temporary structure they've erected there. <laughs> it's, it's not painted or anything. They literally got plyboard or chipboard from like whatever hardware store down the road. Put in like a bit of plexiglass and gone. Go on, just chuck him through it. It'll be hilarious. <laughs> oh, it's so great. So, uh, show tackles came through a door. Which well, it's, you, you say you say that he pushes him into the door and tackles him, and the, the makeshift temporary structure doesn't break, and then he hits like double club the door and falls in on top of Kane. So, uh, oh, hang on, was this? I, I can't remember. So, in my notes for this, but was this before or after they had the really shitty spot where one of them tried to lock themselves in a cage with Ra- with oh, Raven, that, and it lasts like two minutes? That's right at the beginning. I think it's it's fucking amazing. So it's Raven goes to lock in, in himself in with Big Show, I think it is. Or is it with Kane? I can't remember. It's one or the other. Or is it the other way around? Fuck, I don't remember. I haven't got that spot written down. But they go to lock. Oh, it's Kane that opens the door. So Big Show locks the door thinking <laughs> Kane's going to be able to get in there. Kane goes to grab it, pulling it towards him. As in like, oh, this definitely won't come off first time. It immediately comes <laughs> off in his hands. <laughs> and everyone's standing there like, oh, fuck. And just have to keep keep fighting. Oh, it's fucking so good. Um, so talking about wobbly sets. Uh, I don't know whether I should tell this story. But, uh, I haven't got time. It, so uh, it, I'll, it, I'll no, keep no. it really, really short. So basically, I, I was a film student, right? I studied uh, film at university. Um, a person at my university made their thesis film remember this is their third year they're what 21 by this point and their idea for a movie was it was going to be the nightmares of a nazi with the <laughs> jews coming back to haunt him in his dreams 
And so what Crikey. we ended up being, right, was a wobbly set of kind of bad walls and doors and platform kind of so this person running through them and it's wobbling all over the place. If Colt Cabana isn't in this movie, I'm going to be really disappointed <laughs> by this story. <laughs> Who's dressed in a Nazi outfit because he's a former Nazi. And there's all these Jews trying to attack him, like who are like zombies. <laughs> and it's just like... I think you've got the messages mixed up here, mate. Like, what the fuck? I remember watching it and laughing because it was so bad. And having to, like, stifle laughs with my friends and my missus. Oh, God. I would cast this if we're wrestling with Alex Wright <laughs> and Colt Cabana. <laughs> fuck. Oh, God. Yeah. But it was the wobbly sets that made it just, like, that extra bit special, you know? <laughs> uh, I just I couldn't stop thinking about it as I saw all this terrible fucking yeah. So uh, show tackles Kane through a door eventually. Uh, Kane and Show do the Shockmaster by falling through a wall together. Thought this was beautiful. <laughs> that was I mean again the what makes this match so good was just both of them like hugging and just going let's fall through together <laughs> one two oh um, cue the golf carts. We all know this spot. Yes. get in the golf carts okay I'll, I'll read it out so literally the greatest moment of all time when raven crashes the <laughs> golf cart realizes kane is going to be coming around the corner in a second golf cart any second so raven throws himself in front of kane's golf cart only for kane to break late smash into raven's leg and they will just carry on like nothing happened and obviously there's the classic line of when uh, raven crashed the first golf cart into the wall he landed on the cable that could have taken out the power to the whole arena <laughs> and the pay-per-view, yep. which would have been <laughs> hilariously terrible. I mean, he definitely would have been fired. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, but it, it was just so good, as you said, like the fact that he crashed a golf cart um, to then go, I know what I'll do to salvage whatever spot we had planned. <laughs> I'll just get run over. <laughs> I'll throw myself in front of Kane going a million miles an hour. I've- For the record... Th- this was foreshadowing for Rikishi running over the rush, running over Austin. <laughs> Convince my man went, what Raven did. Put that in the main event. <laughs> I forgot how fast Kane was driving. It's genuinely scary when he's going at like, you know, it looks like he's doing 20, 30 mile an hour on this thing. Um, my experience of being in a golf buggy, <laughs> which as you'd expect, being a corporate piece of shit, <laughs> I've spent some time in a golf buggy. Mate, I've watched um, weddings, what... I've been in a few myself, don't worry. They don't go that fast. No, that that looked like a very speedy one. I think that's like an arena-specific one that gets you from, like, you know, dressing rooms to dressing room or whatever. Yeah, or, or you know, some WrestleMania's Undertaker's entrance. <laughs> well, yeah, indeed. Um, all three lads brawl their way back up the entrance ramp. Uh, Kane knocks Raven and Big Show onto the crash map. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, <laughs> not the last time they use a crash map tonight, by the way. Uh, Kane, huge leg drop off the stage onto the crash mat and just like many wrestlemanias before it the leg drop does the deed <laughs> for the one two three he finished with a leg drop hogan would have never sold <laughs> <laughs> so your winner is kane in uh yeah it's, it's so much fun this match it's super silly this was great yeah. just under 10 minutes perfect sweet spot for a bit of comedy but a bit of violence and also it got big show and kane on the card and raven going into mania as a champion i was very happy yeah absolutely so kurt angle backstage now watching himself intently tap to chris benoit over and over again like he's hitting rewind 
play rewind play look at more and more angry every time he watches it oh my god the acting chops on kurt angle here <laughs> if the referee didn't call it i didn't tap out oh it's <laughs> so good so edge and christian appear angle possessed tells edge and christian that he never officially tapped as he puts it the angle here is awesome dude it's so good so uh, go on no I, I was gonna say you know we, we had this delight to then follow one third of the next match who was a delight and the other two thirds were there well, there's, there's a couple of little moments happened before oh, that. Sorry. We get a yeah. girlfriend murderer poses at WF New York. <laughs> Yoink. Uh, so, uh, coach with... Uh, oh, yeah. Coaches with some Australian fans who get booed by the Americans, which I thought was fucking hilarious. Um, They've come all the way from Brisbane, Australia. <laughs> <laughs> She's got one message for the world. Do you remember what this world message was? It's not world peace. Just put it that I way. I was too busy laughing, saying later that night, Billy Kay was conceived. <laughs> <laughs> funny so this lovely australian lady has one message for the world and that message is wwf wwe rocks was it rules rules it's wwe rules well. sorry it's all right and then they go aussie 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 oi oi fuck off so <laughs> the rock backstage uh he's just arrived he's got the belt of sex with him my god that thing's gorgeous but whatever and also tardy you know, has yeah. he never worked a show to realise he's got to be there before crowds come in? Fucking hell, big league in it already. He doesn't even work for WCW. <laughs> <laughs> Latino heats. So our next up is our WF European title match of Test, our current champion, Boo, versus Latino Heat, Eddie Guerrero with Perry Satin. Oh my God, Eddie. Fucking hell. Like, yeah, rest in peace, both guys. All two guys. But, um fucking hell eddie guerrero here he's he takes tests to a fucking decent match seemed really impressive <laughs> can you can you imagine that though if you came in as the radicals i'm not sure what malenko was doing it's case okay benoit you're gonna go at angle eddie we're really sorry but you know you're gonna you're gonna get a strap uh perry do you just want to go and watch <laughs> <laughs> you've got a fluffy hat <laughs> Which was because that was a lugs hat, and when I saw that when I was young, I was like, "I really want one of them hats." Of course, you did. I've seen photos of you at that age. So, quick video <laughs> recap showing us recent events leading into this match. Who gives a fuck? There is an X Factor joke here, but tax spoilt that. So, uh, test, test. This is a test. Here, here we go. Here, here, here we go. Hurrah, hurrah, hurrah. <laughs> it's the best music ever. It's so dumb. Um. Heyman Could have been DX got, Rich if it was down to Russo. Oh, fucking hey. He's, he's fucking, uh, what's his name? Kevin Nash. Yeah, of course. So Heyman tells us about how the Americans stole Texas from the Mexicans. Really fucking hilarious on commentary. Um, but, you know, political. Uh, this match jump starts to uh, the really uh, keen to get all these kind of matches jump started tonight. Every single one starts with people just like one, two, three, in we go. There's no facing off, circling anything. It's everyone's kickstarting matches, which is bloody brilliant yeah no no need to dick about especially with this match um i have a couple of notes about the finish and such but my main note literally reads test has the shiniest of trousers they are definitely wiped clean for what was referred to in the day as ring rats i mean jody fly should be proud they're really nice <laughs> jody fly upstanding gentleman johnny storm yeah yeah so 
Eddie is 100% leading this match. Like, the whole way through, you can see him guiding Tess. Like, Tess does a clothesline, and he's like, yeah, like this, man. <laughs> he's so good. Um, so there's this moment where Tess, I think, accidentally gets his ankle caught in the ropes, like how Foley did the next spot, but with his ankle. Yeah. This has to have been an accident, right? Because Eddie has to fully break kayfabe and help the ref to free Tess. The scurrying to get him out was quite concerning wasn't it i mean you can see the look on eddie's face just like this fucking prick <laughs> i'm gonna have to go help him out he's got himself stuck at wrestlemania upside down in the ropes fuck i, I like i like perry Saturn just standing there going what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> it's such a weird moment <coughs> oh it killed me so 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 did covid <laughs> fucking hell all right eddie uh, because he's so awesome, brings it into the psychology of the match this moment and starts to work over Tess' ankle and knee. And like, I think he's generally decided that this guy is just like not cutting the mustard. So we're going to put him on the ground and I'm going to work on his knee because there's a good five minutes here where Eddie is constantly talking to Tess. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, Pro- probably what we couldn't hear, the inaudible bits going, you got your leg tart caught in the fucking ropes at the biggest <laughs> WrestleMania of them all. You plum. There's a moment here which leads into the finish where Ed- Eddie practically tilt a whirl power bombs himself using test. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, how could I possibly hurt myself if someone just stood still? It's so impressive. Like, seriously. I'm glad you noticed this moment too because you see Tess just standing there and he runs up, flips himself around Tess as Tess has his arms by his side going, what? <laughs> and Eddie's just powerbombed on his back in front of Tess. And it's like Tess goes, yeah, I did that. <laughs> Straight the way after. It's so funny. The backstage, like pre-match, like, should we work towards the finish? Yeah, okay. Have you ever done a tilt a world into a powerbomb? No. Okay, don't worry. Literally, just stand still. <laughs> Let me hell. post off you. Just stand still. And Tess was like, oh, okay. Like, I always knew Eddie was good, but you see moments like that again, you're like, fuck, he was better than good, man. He's right up there with the very best. I, I wonder if this was, to coin a phrase, you know, excuse the pun, a, a, a genuine test for Eddie. Yeah. If, it, if it was a case of Vince was like, okay, let's see if you can get a good match out of Andrew and then let, let, let's see where we can go from there. And then Perry Saturn... Let's see if you can manage well and we'll give you a Mop and Terry Runnels. <laughs> I mean, little how to, how to phrase it. Um, the results um, reflect their hmm, actions. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> anyway, so um, let's move to the end of this, shall we? If I let's skip over a little bit. So Eddie low blows. Uh, test, doesn't he? Have I got to that point? Yeah. Yep. So Eddie with the quick low blow. Satin in right in front of the ref with a moss hover moss covered three-handled family credunza as Payman puts over on commentary. God, he's good here. Um legitimately the name of the move. Uh shenanigans. I love it. I've always loved that move. Yeah, it's it's really beautiful. Uh shenanigans um galore with Satin and Dimalenko. Just skip over a little bit. Um Dimalenko selling on the outside. Fucking hell, he's hilarious. He's great here. Do you agree? And th- I, I think from a Malenko standpoint as well, it, he had to do the great selling because it's like 
what am I going to do? Vince McMahon won't go for a short guy, even though I could wrestle pretty much the socks off everyone on this card. So yeah. having the, the remaining three of what was the radicals there, I think it worked really well having him come out at the end. I can uh, highly recommend any podcast or interview with Dean Malenko, by the way. He is genuinely hilarious to listen to. Um, also really interesting chap as well. Yeah, dude, the history he's got, like, fucking hell. So Eddie smashes the European strap over the head of Test. The ref completely misses it. Eddie rolls up Test for the one, two, three. Thank God this is over because, I mean, Test is not at his prime here, that's for sure. Uh, a new European <laughs> that's champion. That's very kind. When was Test ever at his prime? I'm trying to be nice, you know. I don't want to speak too ill of the dead, you know. He can't hear you. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> that's bad. <laughs> So winner, new European champion, Eddie Guerrero. I'm sure he cares. Uh, it, Eddie was legitimately the fucking best of all time, in my opinion. But, you know, here's the important stuff. Frosted tips, Michael Cole is backstage. Hey, where he belongs, with the hair that he belongs with. We've all been there. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't say I haven't. That's really sad. Anyways. Yeah. There's no, there's no surprise as to why I can't grow my own hair anymore. <laughs> Oh, brother. All that bloody bleaching. Brother, brother, brother. Um, backstage with Foley. So um, Foley cuts, uh, chats about how Vince has recently fired him from the commissioner position, but Foley is going to referee tonight, straight down the middle, you know? It's, um... Because, you know, he, he loves... He loves a, um... He loves refereeing main events. Apparently so. Like, yeah, again, not his best promos, but he's the ref. What do you expect? Yeah, refs don't do promos. Austin arrives, because, you know, WCW... Um, Kurt Angle's music hits and that feeling of okay yeah things are about to happen now it's Kurt Angle and he's going to oh, be the Patriots here I mean <laughs> it's Kurt Angle he's going to be wrestling Chris Benoit we know what's going to happen it's it's fucking wrestling awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean goosebumps run down my spine I know what's next I still have mixed emotions about it uh, as Kurt, Kurt walks to the ring cuts a hilarious promo ripping the shit out of Texas he says this brilliantly simple but on the nose line of lose the freaking cowboy hats you're not seven years old anymore <laughs> like fucking hell it's perfection what uh, and but like like you said this match because of what happened in the real world very few people will go back and watch this as a studying aid but benoit and angle from a wrestling standpoint as we'll get get to in a second uh, one of the best wrestling matches certainly of this time and it would certainly stand up in modern times as well absolutely man so we all know how good Kurt Angle is as a human as a wrestler whatever like fuck he just seems like genuinely he's gone through a lot of shit in his life with the broken neck and the drug abuse and everything else but he seems like a genuinely great person you know competitive but great Chris Benoit we're not let's not go over it fuck it everyone knows what happened blah 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 it's very very difficult to watch any match he's involved with and not constantly be reminded of it you know um no matter how good this match is i'm i'm sitting there going dude killed his wife and kid man like it's fucked up yeah it's it, it, it is difficult to take away take away from what has happened and and again i'd really encourage if you haven't watched the dark side of the ring two-parter on the benoit tragedy it is a haunting 
watch. Maybe watch it early in the evening so you've got time to watch like some IT crowd or peep show afterwards just to cheer yourself up before <laughs> going to bed. Because I watched this before going to bed and I just lay there and I was like, what's the fucking point? Yeah, absolutely. I watched the Owen one yesterday. Fuck, oh. man. I'm not too much of a man and whatever to say that I didn't cry at all of them. <laughs> you know, Owen, when they start talking about Eddie, when they start talking about Chris Benoit and his family, like, I cried in every single one of them, mate. These people mean a lot to me, you know? Uh, and it's um, and this is what I've I've said to a few people before. It is amazing how much you buy into the wrestler in the ring when you get to see these people on the outside of the ring, and that that's a problem. So, like some wrestlers, using a modern day example, I listened to an interview in the early days when Baron Corbin was in NXT and everyone hated him, but he was such a lovely chap. <laughs> and at that stage, I was like, oh, he's a lovely guy, but yeah, this. I, again, I, I I didn't think we'd discuss this match in too much detail, uh, based on what we what we've done with with other matches. But if you wanted to study a pure wrestling match and could somehow block the the Benoit element, if you could just look at it purely as a a sports entertainer, a character wrestling a character. Sure. That's so Chris Benoit character yeah. versus Kurt Angle character. This is a beautiful wrestling match. Absolutely. But but as 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 we've alluded to, it is it is impossible to watch this and get an element of enjoyment out of it, or near impossible to get an element of enjoyment out of it, because you always think about it. From a technical standpoint, it is near perfection. But from an emotional standpoint, if you know the story, which I think most people watching wrestling would, you can't really enjoy it. Sure, man. It's um, I try to be really analytical about it and try and forget about the whole Benoit stuff completely and just look at it as how do you do wrestling? Why was this the best thing on this card for me as a kid? You know, and it's it's pretty simple. Uh, bell goes. Both men just stand there and stare at each other, motionless. You think about how every other match was started this evening. That every single match was jumped. This one is not. It's the exact opposite. That juxtaposition suddenly makes you care. It's like wrestling can be really simple if everyone plays ball. And this is a perfect example of it. Even the story leading up to this match where it's the case of the Olympic hero, the wrestler, did not get tapped out by the Canadian dude. Just something so simple of, nope. I am better than him. I never tap out. It just led to a, a great chess battle. Yep. And there's 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 like three moments I would say, like in, as in any good story arc, that define this match. Uh, it's the beginning where they lock up, and my god, the intensity on both dudes' faces, and you start to see that they're basically shooting on each other, but like sparring, you know. And that wrestling spot at the beginning just completely validates that whole point that you made it's they were not giving up it's a case of okay we know we've got to give the other person advantage but they weren't gonna let they had to work for that advantage each one of them and it's that moment where as a spectator you go oh that's the difference between an olympic gold medalist and someone that isn't an olympic gold medalist because kurt angle is the smoothest human being in existence it's easily (sighs) the best Non wrestler, as in like multi sport athlete, to ever set foot in a WWE ring, Absolutely. hands down. Kurt Angle, like he's taking the piss by the end of this sequence. He's that good, 
you know at any moment he could beat the shit out of Kurt Angle on the floor. But there's the brilliant middle section here with this match where Benoit has a momentary lap of judgment and argues with the referee, which Angle takes advantage of by punching Benoit in the face. And you're like, oh, okay, he can strike and he's sneakier as well. And you're like, how is Benoit going to develop and get back this the, the the advantage in this match? And what it basically boils down to is that you get to this end sequence where it's like reversals, submission attempts, crazy high spots off the ropes, stiff as fuck, just immense wrestling. There's a ref bump off of a flailing angle, completely out of nowhere. Benoit taps out angle with the cripple across face, so he thinks he's won, but he knows the ref is down. So like, it's Benoit's tenacity over Kurt Angle's skill and aggression, and it's just like, fuck! that's how you tell a fucking story boys like i i hate watching benoit and anything it's weird but like just as an analytical thing it's like angle slam benoit kicks out benoit connects with the dynamite kid headbutt off the top which is so difficult to watch knowing what we know now but then yeah. the sneaky low blow by angle because he's a little prick you know? <laughs> angle reverses and jr goes an arm bar takeover into a pinfall angle grabs a handful of tights super simple 80s memphis bullshit victory for the one two three and this is how you start a story it's fucking great. absolutely adored this from a from a technical standpoint yeah and then it made me think let's go back and other than angle's retirement match against baza corbs 16 cracking triple threat with jericho and benoit 17 this absolute delight 18 can't remember who he wrestled well angle or even if he wrestled yeah 18 but then you go on to 19 which we'll be covering next week when he's main eventing with brock Mm -hmm. oh my word why have i forgotten what he did at 20 21 with hbk i mean looking at those matches Uh, good god 18 uh sorry yeah 18 was just against kane by the way i don't remember that was it the hair match which i with the little uh, no, because that was K. That was K. Uh, angle and Edge for the hair. Oh, whatever. It's all good. Um, and do, who, did he? Who did he go against? Twenty. Oh no, it was Eddie. It was Eddie at twenty, wasn't oh, it? Oh yeah, it was with the uh, sneaky boot, unlaced roll through finish. Yeah, which God, if you think that, that, and again, match. I can't. Yeah, so good. <laughs> I can't remember the Kane match, but as you said, Kane at this time would have would have got a great match out of it. Yeah, it's it's difficult to find even in that stage, a bad Kurt Angle match. When Kurt went to TNA as well, every match he had was brilliant until we got to main event Mafia time. I mean, I think I think Kurt Angle might be the best wrestler of all time, you know. It's very hard to argue against. He's funny, he's entertaining, he can be serious, he can switch from face to heel in a second and still be completely over. He's technically insane, he can do high spots, he can do strikes, he can be aggressive, he can be a little pussy if he wants to be, you know, like he can do it everything he's fucking I think, perfect I think you're Olympic hard white pressed. champion in america you know it's like he's white and he's got legs son <laughs> that's a quote from something that you will not get but there's someone out there that got that quote but yeah cut angle man yeah and just top top wrestler and it's a shame we can't look back on this match with a bit more fondness fucking a so it leaves us wanting more in an absolute classic um cut angle so we 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 get one we get one in a second (laughs) (laughs) so 
Frosted Tips, Michael Cole is backstage <laughs> with Regal. That's the moment you were talking about, yeah? Of course, yeah. With Kamala and Kimchi. Oh, God. I know you want to talk about it. <laughs> I'm going to save it for the gimmick battle royal. All Don't right, you okay, worry. Okay. So, WWF and the Troops video package. Uh, Lita got her first Hummer. There's a joke there somewhere. Um, everyone's shooting, aside from Angle, who's working every comedy spot he possibly can into this very silly, there's this very serious video package about the troops. Angle's like taking the piss and be like, can I have this helmet <laughs> and all sorts? He's just absolutely golden. He's the best. I like that they showed that uh, comedy side of him again, as you said, just after the really serious, dastardly heel. Sure. Bad, handful bad timing, of trunks. But, you know, it's, it's, it's WF in 2001. They, they fucked a lot of that shit up. Um, so Kevin Kelly backstage with Angle. Uh, Kev puts over Benoit. Uh, Angle asks Kevin Kelly if he's crazy and Kurtz puts himself over instead than his opponent that he just beat. Only for Benoit uh, to come and attack Angle out of nowhere, bang him in the crossface again, taking this feud to the next level and we all know where it goes. So really, It's nice that they were trying to to continue feuds through Mania as well. You know what I mean was quite to say? A... These WrestleManias, there's a lot of kind of storytelling, raw-esque backstage stuff. A lot of it. I think they had to because they were they were needing to set up what they were going to do with the invasion angle. Because oh. now they knew they'd acquired WCW. They're like, right, well, we need to just keep this ticking along. We can't start something new on Raw the next night out other than our main event plans, which we'll get to. Sure. So they were having to have a little bit of continuation up until we really got into that invasion pay per view and the uh, the alliance and slash uh, having discussions with AOL Time Warner if any wrestler would like to take a massive pay cut to come and work a full time schedule. Yeah, sure. So a video package for Ivory and China. The next match up next. Uh, Ivory broke China's neck and uh, boobs. That's what I've got right here. Good stuff. So <laughs> China won the women's championship with a broken freaking neck. Yeah, fucking A, man. So, I mean, Ivory's the champion. China's the challenger. Uh, China is almost unrecognizable from the person that we saw during the DX pay-per-view four years ago. Uh, lots of surgery and gimmick change and attitude change and everything. She looks so different, man. Yeah, nice, uh, nice sparkly attire. Oh, dude, the gear is fucking awesome. But there is an important thing here, Tax. <clears throat> Don't treat me like a woman. Don't treat me like a man. Don't treat me like you know me. Treat me for just who I am. Words to live by, Tax. <laughs> Well, I I definitely never treat you like a woman. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck yeah. So Ivory is brilliant in this role. This douchebag from the right to censor, like this high school teacher kind of Catholic thing she's got going on. Yeah, long black skirt, white blouse, and scared to death of China. Yeah. Similar to how most of the world is. <laughs> Ivory has a shitload of heat. These pe- these 60,000 odd people hate her. Uh, China basically, oh, we can talk about the intro and stuff if you want. She does the whole air cannon shit, doesn't she, on the show? I forgot. Yeah, she's got pyro cannon. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And she's got sparklies everywhere. Even a sparkly headband and little sparkly kind of drop downy things. Like an orthodox. She's trying to. Hang on, going back to your mate's movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. They're just trying to soften her. Unfortunately, I think that's the whole concept why she'd had all of the all of the work, all of the change gear, all of the persona. Because where she'd been so used to working in the men's division, they're having to try and soften her up for the the, the women's title feud that she was going through. Because you know, 
you've you've probably listened to some of the uh some into wrestle bits when they speak about china sure. and how she really didn't want to wrestle the women she wanted to stay wrestling the men so the fact that trying to make her look part of the division and while this sounds horrible and horribly sexist they were trying to and probably through um, china's own aspects were trying to make herself more appealing still I mean, tax. Oh, shit. Fuck. <laughs> oh, no. Cut. I said, don't treat me like a woman. Don't treat me like a man. <laughs> Just don't treat me like you know me. Just treat me for who I am. There you go. That's my response. I treat you for someone who doesn't have a massive video on Pornhub. <laughs> China catches a leg, squashes the hell out of Ivory. Power bomb. JR struggles to search for the words that rhyme with China. Uh, I can't remember what that was about, but anyway. Jimmy Pop. My, hi, Mum. I'm trying to find words that rhyme with vagina. Hmm, what about Lima? Like Lima Bean. How about that teenage witch, Sabrina? <laughs> I remember this skit. Holy shit. Oh, brilliant. So, ultimate warrior style gorilla press by China for the one, two. Dangerous. Three. Yeah, it looked horrible, didn't it? No fucks given. Nope. And new and similar to my champ. response to this match, <laughs> China. So uh, I remember marking out at the time as uh, no, there was like no squashes at this time. So seeing a squash match like this was very different. It was it was definitely different. But the, my questions, even as a seventeen-year-old at this time, was a case of where can I get the Playboy, and also more importantly, mm, that one. What are they going? <laughs> what are they going to do with the women's division? There's sure. literally no one who can beat her unless they were trying to go, oh, well, maybe bring back Nicole Bass? As I've said, Tax, uh, don't treat me like a woman. <laughs> Look, Sorry. I know Tessa Blanchard is the Impact Heavyweight Champion, <laughs> but I can't imagine anyone other than Harvey Whippleman or BB going for the women's title. And you, I can't imagine China, even though you don't treat her like a woman or treat her like a man, would do a gravy bowl match. You forgot, don't treat me like you know me. Just treat me for just who I am. I was careless because I don't. I can't treat you like I know you because how do I, who am I to say she wouldn't have done a gravy bowl match? So, I mean, China's super sloppy here. It looks really dangerous the whole way through the match. Like She was super sloppy in Playboy. Let's move on. So we're an hour and 25 minutes in, right? And so beyond one very good match, the rest is pretty much fodder no i disagree Dude, jericho test, regal was a really good test fucking yeah raven kane big show stupid hardcore yeah, shit no, no, Taz no, no. in the apa this is not the show people make it out to be a seven minute chris jericho regal match like yes ben while chris angle good chris angle Kurt angle is fucking incredible but it's, it's weird watching it it's, it's not I wasn't marking out no. very much to this day, even to this stage of rewatching this, this had everything I wanted from a show. It had good wrestling. It had comedy wrestling. It had violence. It had great wrestling. It had women. <laughs> I, see, I don't completely disagree with you. I just think that maybe it's these parts of the shows. This show is hyped up just a little bit too much. That's all I'm saying. Okay, 
let's, let's move on because there's some good shit coming okay we've got ridiculousness next which i really love so i love the fact you mentioned it being good shit for who's involved in the next <laughs> so backstage vince steph trish and sweet zombie linda uh vince vince cuts a little promo but here comes ooh, frosted tips michael cole's coming to the room yay uh vince do you think that must have been a rib do you think someone said that's a good look for you michael Mate, it looks perfect <laughs> it? yeah uh vince guarantees it will be shocking uh you ain't kidding so pre-match video package got this angle this kind of love triangle oh love that's a weird word to use with vince trish and linda isn't it so uh shano takes offense i'd watch to it vince being a cunt to his wife and vince shane's mum, obviously shane challenges vince and vince accepts delivering the line i will never ever forgive your mother for giving birth to you Ooh, creepy motherfucker that was good shit blatantly ridiculous soap opera bullshit it's fucking great uh vince has bought wcw <laughs> or did he <laughs> uh the video package is it's just perfection man it's so so good i would have loved it if if shane had done i own wcw and vince had gone well i don't give a fuck i own the tape library <laughs> what congratulations you own you know norman smiley's Sean worst matches on record <laughs> anyway so street fight norman smiley is a bad example he's a really good wrestler why couldn't i say like sarge or someone who's terrible ralphus there you go so street, i was i'm like i find myself being like a bit of a wcw specialist at the moment i love wcw i love it i have been watching um the nitros leading up to the starcade of nash and goldberg oh good they're fun where Ste- where steiner's currently the leader of the nwo after hogan inverted commas had retired on a tv show there's like one week when suddenly it's like benoit jericho eddie dimalenko and you're just like all the lucha guys as well and you're like holy fuck where did this come from <laughs> We're currently at the LWO where oh. Eddie Guerrero is going, no, Psychosis is going to be the Cruiserweight champion, not Ray. Have they done the <laughs> spot where Eddie looks at the masked wrestlers' faces? Uh, not yet, oh, no. we're so funny. We've yeah. just spoiled that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Street Fight, a special guest referee is Mick Foley for Shane McMahon versus his father, Vincent Mann, who has... I am your father. <laughs> who is uh, Stefan along with him. Uh, McMahon helms it at this point. So both coming out to no chance in hell is a bit weird, but, you know, whatever. Um, I find it really bad as well that these owners have now lowered themselves from the main event of, la- of the previous year's Mania just to the upper mid card. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I've just realised I have an excessive amount of notes for this match because I loved it so much, but we're running a bit long already. So I'm going to skip through a little bit. Um, I guess we need to acknowledge the fact that there were WCW wrestlers in the crowd and when Vince and when Shane shouts them out, they're all just sitting there kind of <laughs> lounging around, not giving a fuck, which apparently Vince was furious about and then basically just didn't book them for the rest of their careers because of this. Yeah, that's definitely the main reason why a lot of those gentlemen did not get mm, books. Great. Charvo was up there. He was the only one clapping, though, so I think that's how he suddenly got in his good books. But Some would suggest it's in the wrestling business. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah, absolutely. So Shane introduces Mick Foley, the referee, which is a bit weird. Uh, Vince slaps Shane, and, well, it's hilariously fun. Uh, brilliantly shit. Bullshit starts immediately when Steph's in the ring to slap Shane for no fucking purpose whatsoever. Um, I'm just gonna skip ahead, skip ahead, skip ahead. So sweet zombie Linda is here. Trish comes down to the ring with sweet zombie Linda in the wheelchair. 
Trish slaps Vince by the announce desk. Tr- Steph slaps Trish. Cat fight. Sweet zombie Linda stays in character the whole time. What an actress. <laughs> or that disinterested. Vince like, come on, Linda. Just come along. Oh, for fuck's sake, Vince. Fine. But I'm not going to partake other than kicking you in the balls. <laughs> I have to come to your game tonight? For fuck's sake. I was having a nice evening. <laughs> So, imagine that the number of times you we've had to say that to respective partners going <laughs> do you just want to come to this gig this evening oh for fuck's sake i'm only coming in case you fall off the stage <laughs> so um steph is chucked out because she slapped foley who's the ref trish follows behind us those two are off out of the arena which leaves a uh, vince notices linda and goes you bitch <laughs> like oh fucking hell vince the face on him he is terrifying dude he had the last slice of bread and didn't replace it <laughs> so she had the last slice of bread and like, you, gonna have fucking toast <laughs> foley cuts off vince uh as vince is trying to get linda into the ring assuming to beat her up or something i don't know what he was thinking vince smashes ref foley with the steel chair god the drama uh the swagger on vince as he rolls sweet zombie linda into the ring Sixty thousand people are chanting asshole at vince the commentary absolutely kill it for this match these two are flying for this comedy bullshit i, I just the athleticism of shane mcmahon versus the clumsiness of vince made this to be so enjoyable to watch even with the soap opera bs going on which as we both already established, I loved every minute of this. Yeah, it's fucking it's great. Should we get to the pure, finish? The, the, yeah, I, I'll just say this is pure <laughs> McMahon perfection. Vince puts sweet zombie Linda onto a chair in the corner in the ring. Vince, excuse me. Um, oh, with the headshot to Shane, we fucking decapitates him with a fucking steel chair. Vince. Well, he's a McMahon. He can't put his hand up to protect himself. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. These motherfuckers taking everything, aren't they? So Vince goes to hit Shane. Vince <laughs> heads back to sweet zombie Linda. Linda stands up. The whole place fucking erupts. Sorry. Vince has his back to sweet zombie Linda, is what I meant to say. I realized I tripped up over that line. Uh, Linda stands up. The whole place erupts. Like, this could be one of the biggest pops of all time it was huge i would liken this you know how we wax lyrical on the last episode of austin's pop at 15 yeah this pop was on par with that level of volume and obviously it's only superseded by what we get in the main event so it's that motion of the perfection of shane on his knees who the crowd are genuinely sympathetic for no one thinking sweet zombie linda is just going to come out of her zombie state suddenly and vince with the like the rubbish bin above his head ready to take out shane like as she stands up you just see this sea of people stand and this eruption takes place it's it's beautiful man it's genuinely beautiful they're doing nothing they're just standing there and she stands up and that gets to one of the biggest pops of all time Take. when wrestling's really simple say, sometimes dude. <laughs> well that's the thing but who do you think because you know normally you'd have like the more experienced wrestler sort of taking the lead and putting the match together who do you think helped i mean do you think triple h was involved in this much at all of like working out the psychology of it because i very much doubt vince would go 
and I'm just going to stand here with a trash can over my head and we'll just work the crowd for a few seconds. And then Linda, slowly get up to your feet while I'm with my back to you. you know, I, I just can't imagine Vince be like, here's the layout of the match. Maybe. Man. Arm drag, knee bar. <laughs> for me, it's it's probably two people. Knowing what I've known about Vince and stuff over the years, it's probably Triple H or Pat Patterson. Oh, Pat. Yeah, that's actually a very good show. They seem to be, whenever you, we're outsiders. We don't know the ins and outs of how stuff gets worked in WWE and stuff. But from what I hear from other people and what I hear from documentaries and, you know, Mark shit, is that it's nearly always Pat Patterson that comes up with the idea they go with in the end. So. And, it, and, and well, as you said, the psychology in this, nothing complicated. It was so simple, but the crowd were eating it up, as you said, like the pop when Linda stood up. And then nut shot him. Yeah. Only the second nut shot of the night. Yeah. Because, uh, you know. Russo wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Vince Russo, though, who follows me on Twitter. Thanks very much, Vince. Oh, nice. Lovely, cool. lovely DM interaction with Vince Russo. I don't want to know. Same to what Conan once did. Have you listened to my podcast? And I responded, no, but thanks for the follow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's him. So, uh, Foley smacks oh, it is. It's Vince the verified about. one. Let me get on with it. So, Fo- no, that is. I'm sure it's who was operating the account order. So, Foley smacks Vince about. Shane goes coast to coast. It's genuinely awesome. But fucking Mick Foley. I mean, it's become classic now. But Mick's standing in front of the hard cam as Shane's going coast to coast at WrestleMania. Stealing the spotlight. <laughs> For the one, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> and your winner is Shane McMahon in what is the most brilliantly overbooked bunch of bullshit ever. It's just great fun. I wouldn't say it's overbooked though, because it just... it's the whole the storyline and the the wheelchair coming down to ringside and then Steph and this and this and this and this and it's just there's so much going on. It, it's, it's are a you lot. suggesting having six individual seven including the referee moving parts to this match? Yeah. It's the the Mick Foley special guest referee, but it doesn't need to be there at all for this. Pops a rating. Yeah, I mean <laughs> it's nice to have Foley on the show. I'm not. I didn't. D- dislike it you know but we've still got a lot to get through and bloody hell we've gone along so Sunday night heat recap Kevin Kelly chats to the Hardys about TLC Jeff uh, starts matches and blah 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 um, Triple H snorts biker taker shadow boxing backstage getting ready for their match um, so I mean it's one of the greatest matches of all time WF world tag team title match of tables ladders and chairs oh my god what a match you didn't say oh my you know, Didn't tables, need to. ladders and chairs. Oh my, <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> so three-way match of the Dudley boys of Bob Ray Dudley and Devon Dudley, our current champions, not their matters at this point, versus Christian and Edge versus the Hardy boys, Jeff and Matt Hardy. I mean, come on. If you didn't know, go watch it, you fucking idiot. If you stop listening to the podcast, go watch the match. We can't do this justice. It's fucking terrifying watching it. The, the only thing I will say, because you said there is no point in covering what, most wrestling fans would have already watched and as as Rich said if you haven't watched this go and watch it because this is the best ladder match even though it's TLC the best ladder match the best triple threat tag match you'll watch from a spot standpoint but the thing I like most is the inclusion of the third parties for each team so Spike Rhino and Lita all getting their cameos and their run-ins it's it's fucking great man Especially, just yeah. for Lita's chair shot to poor Spike. I was going to say Lita's Jesus. entrance. It's like Baywatch, mate. She's running down that ramp for like an hour. It's great. 
I mean, it, it will be if you just press pause and slow on it, Rich. <laughs> what do you expect? <laughs> so my one note here that I really want to talk to you about, that I've only ever done one session of pro wrestling, right? And yeah, I was definitely sore, but I recovered pretty quickly. I'm okay. Um, what is the reality of doing this to your body? Adrenaline's an amazing thing. And I can't say I've ever gone off a ladder. I've been through a table. I've never gone off a ladder and I can't say I've ever taken a chair shot straight to the head. I've taken the odd chair shot with hands up to protect, which is still scary as hell. Yeah. But you could tell why they didn't work the next night on Raw. Oh. I can't you and, and also you can see why now you don't have as many of these sorts of matches in WWE. They've got a whole pay per view for table ladders and chairs, which is normally just now a glorified ladder match with the odd prop. Yeah, this was utilizing absolutely everything for all of their their gimmicks as possible. But I do like the fact they're like, "Oh, we use tables. We're really really good at ladder matches." Um, and we've got chairs. chairs. Who's going <laughs> to chairs? Well, they did the concerto. Was that before this or was that after? Oh no, that that's why they were using the chairs. That would explain it. I was just lost my train of thought to at which point when like one of the TLC pay per view, I think it was like Big Show and Sheamus had a stairs match. <laughs> still step match but yeah i mean there's nothing else we can say of this match other than it's brilliant it keeps you captivated for the full and this was 15 minutes that seemed like it went on for forever but in a good way absolutely um just for our listeners and five things quickly jeff hardy spot the giant ladder through the rhino table on the outside uh jeff hardy attempting to walk the tightrope as he goes from ladder to ladder to ladder uh, and then falls at the end. It's genuinely terrifying. JR calls it walking the tightrope, and that's legitimately what it is. Uh, Jeff, how good how good would that spot been as well? Had he managed not to drop oh. at the end of the last one? And what was nice as well, I know they were obviously in in, in Texas, so not not a massive, if like not like a Chicago or a New York crowd where they would have shit all over him. But sure. even then, like the fans, they were like, they weren't like, ha ha, you you effed up, you effed up. It's a case of. Fuck me, that was cool. Yeah, absolutely. It's everyone was giving them every leeway possible here, and rightly so. These guys are putting it on the line. So Jeff Hardy getting speared by Edge, you know, in the all-time highlight reel spot. It's Foley Hell in a Cell levels of fucking ow. <laughs> yeah, and, and also the timing from Edge to land that spear. It's a case of, right, let's pull this ladder back to swing Jeff Hardy off that off the belts, hung in from the centre of the ring, and Edge going from the top of that ladder to make sure he connects, because had he mistimed that, he would, just like, he would have needed a murder clown. Yeah, 100%. Shout out to Ray Phoenix, for uh, oh. sorry, uh, Phoenix Jr. for needing murder clown to help him out. I couldn't Jesus. believe they dropped him flat on his fucking back. Oh, so angry, man. Oh, so angry when people see that. When I see well, people I, do I, that. I think a lot more of that may have been from Phoenix rather than the guys catching him. Yeah, I, think it was, I know what you're saying. He, he did that last flip at the last second, and, but it's like, come on, guys. Get beneath him. At least grab a leg or something. But whatever. Get a murder clown t-shirt. Go and send him a tweet. I mean, I'm trying to. Oh, no, no, I'm saying to everyone else, no, no. once COVID's gone, go and order Murder Clown merch. You definitely should. And follow him on Twitter. Uh, I, I don't know, I doubt he ever listens to this. He doesn't speak much English. But, you know, I did message him trying to get some t-shirts out of him the other day. He hasn't got back to me yet. So we'll see. Um, 
So Matt Hardy and Bubba Ray take the falling ladder spot to the outside through four tables. It looks amazing. They absolutely nail it. Every table breaks on the way down. And it looks terrifying because they go... From... How Bubba Ray slides oh, up the aisleway as well oh, at the end when he lands. So just like, ow. Because they're on that giant ladder in the ring. and They fall to the outside, not to the canvas, you know. It's like, oh, that's a yeah. long way to go. But um, about I would say these guys, these six guys, did this about as safely as you possibly could have done it with how dangerous this all was. These boys went out there to make their careers. I would say they nine all... people, actually. There's three other people that we oh, always sorry, forget yeah. to mention. I, I should have, yeah. But the, 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 the I, I, I think it's doing an injustice we call them the key players, but the Hardys, sure. Edwin Christian, That's the fine. Dudleys, yeah. they, they were made... And it's and it was a case that they they all took that decision at that time to go right. We are going to elevate ourselves to a main event level, and we're going to do it on the grandest stage of of WrestleMania. Absolutely, to do it. I respect this match so much. I wasn't even going to do the stupid pun. That's yeah. This is quality. <laughs> so Rhino helps Christian up the ladder to grab the straps, and new tag team champions Edge Christian uh, Edge and Christian. Um, I have one note. Just says fucking outstanding. Can't top it. WWE Access video package up next is what it is. Uh, but then we lead into, would you like to do this bit? Go on. I know you want to. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we get another one of my favorite commentators. We get Mean Gene Oakland coming down to ringside to be joined by, as Paul Heyman calls him, the Johnny Carson of professional wrestling. <laughs> Bobby Heenan returns, obviously, from their WCW contracts. Gene Oakland and Heenan come to do commentary for the Gimmick Battle Royal. Oh, it was wonderful having those two back and their just general banter during the entrance of the Gimmick Battle Royal. Yeah, there's so much fun. I mean, we won't go through the uh, competitors. I think everyone knows. Everyone's seen WrestleMania 17, right? It's all the old guys from back in the day. Uh, and it's really, really fun. Um, Heenan line, uh, by the time the Iron Sheet gets to the ring, it'll be WrestleMania 38. <laughs> uh, and he's right. He's still going down the ring at the Astrodome. <laughs> the thing I was amazed by it was uh, Hillbilly Jim doesn't look like he's aged the day at this point. Yes, yeah, so some of these guys had kept in shape and some of these guys were tugboat. <laughs> <laughs> so the end comes when Sarge is throwing out Brother Love, who's like one of the last people in the match. And you're like, you're not even a wrestler, dude. <laughs> what the hell? Uh, Hillbilly Jim pushes out Sarge and Pritchard. Sheik shoves out Hillbilly Jim and your winner is the Iron Sheik legitimately well apparently won this match because he's the only guy that couldn't take the bump to the outside so there we go yep made Hillbilly Jim humble <laughs> he and Mean Gene are just the funniest it's super silly um, the gif you post on our on our Twitter feed um, at World of Rest Pod on Twitter just showing you the end where Heenan went to keep on avoiding shaking Oakland's hand was just the final cherry on the top. Yeah, it's really fun, this. man. At, uh, what's our Twitter? Jesus. At World of Rest Pod. Thank you very much. Oh, I've had a weird week. So, uh, obviously, you know, Sarge has to get his heat back on <laughs> Sheik at the end of the match. Fucking stupid, isn't it? <laughs> anyway. Send him home happy. <laughs> so, uh, now, it's, it's the point where we're two and a half hours into the show. We've got, what, two, three matches left? Two? two matches left two yeah. matches left and an hour and 15 and so you know these guys are going to go long in both these matches and uh, so the first one is probably at this point the best undertaker match at wrestlemania i would say 
Uh, maybe his match with Kane. What, 14? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Just because of the story behind it. But sure. from an actual... Because now you've got biker taker, so you've got character, you've got promo, you've got a little bit more layers to, to Mark Calloway mm-hmm. at this stage. And it was, again, just another opportunity for Triple H to go against the best and to essentially make amends for the shitty main event the year before. Absolutely. So it's Triple H versus The Undertaker. We cut to a video package, which is fucking great. Um, Triple H, I've been everybody there is to beat. Q biker taker taker goes if you try me i'll make you famous and like hey yeah. you had gimmick lines and stuff i remember <laughs> but, his, but his, his line before that is like um it's like you say you've beaten everyone but you've never beat me and i was like oh it's really good they never mentioned the wrestlemania 17 uh, match when the, they had their next mania matches in the 20s uh, between them two years in a row oh it's the first time ever did you not watch wrestlemania 17 michael cole <laughs> you frosted tip bun <laughs> so brothers of destruction uh take steph captive regal has taker um oh sorry R- regal gives taker the match versus triple h at wrestlemania because kane's threatening to throw steph off a balcony <laughs> like this is great <laughs> taker's line oh kane send stephanie down <laughs> oh it's so funny so wf network is constantly freezing for me at this point over and over again like great job guys the new network is really working so well i love the fact that when you hit pause, it's got graphics all over the screen now, so it takes makes it really difficult for me to do my job and take screenshots. Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> Please stop stealing our content. We'll put some stuff over the top of it. <laughs> I'm allowed to use still images, dude. It's it's literally it's free promotion. We our fucking sh- our YouTube channel has more views than their shows do in America Weekly. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> also a very very nice copy of uh the wrestle talk magazine arrived in my wrestle crate uh yesterday oh, very good read awesome man cool yeah the writers are really good there i'm not just putting them over because i work with them and stuff i generally think there's some good writers there yeah really well structured articles definitely worth checking out uh they guess they can get it from the wrestle talk website yeah sure yeah <laughs> you're asking me like i know i'm just like i'm just the editor guy <laughs> Don't make me promote things. So, we are Motorhead. And we're going to kick your ass. Yeah! Uh, what are the lyrics, Tax? <laughs> I am the game. I am the game. Play me, play me. I am the game. <laughs> it's so funny. He's not even close to the lyrics. Did you ever watch Shooting Stars with Vic and Bob yeah, when yeah. you were younger? So, obviously, when they're doing really the, here's the, club, here's, here's the club round... It just sounded like, Vic, like Bob Mortimer going, hip, time to play the game. It's Vic Reeves that did that, but it's okay, don't worry. Oh, shit, sorry. I was getting confused because Bob Mortimer once tried to purchase bark from me when I worked in a garden centre. And he went, hello, mate, where's the bark? And I was like, oh, don't, don't mark out, it's Bob Mortimer. Uh, a friend of mine used to work in a music shop in Canterbury, and apparently Vic Reeves came in and was an absolute cunt to him. So there we go. <laughs> apparently. Allegedly. That's the word I meant to use, isn't it? So, Snarly Triple H makes his way to the ring after taking a quick stop to point at Motorhead. Uh, genuinely having Motorhead play you out is pretty fucking awesome, to be fair. Have you watched the Lemmy Meets Triple H documentary on the network? No. It's a really good watch, actually. Cool. I was quite surprised. Massive dong. <laughs> footsteps dead man walking keep rolling 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 move in and move out hands up a hands down nah you're right <laughs> uh, tell me what you're gonna do now 
JR Breathe goes. JR goes. Oh, I fucking hate JR for saying this. Houston's own Undertaker, and you're like, what the fuck, JR? Death Valley, mate. Death Valley. Parts unknown, JR. Yeah, Come exactly. on. Uh, I mean, the pop when Taker gets in the ring. Oh my! The flashes. Just it's white. The whole screen is white. It's so just like fuck. This looks awesome. This is what Vince McMahon wanted for King of the Ring when Yoko and Hogan went with each other and the camera exploded in Hogan's face. It's just, oh, this is this is what the Asian market do with their cameras, isn't it? <laughs> Vince, we can't say that. This is good shit. <laughs> Taker goes after Triple H on the outside. Triple H immediately goes through the makeshift Spanish announce table. And I'm like, ah, oh, poor bastards. Um... This was also the match, which was fantastic. I, did, I don't know if you, you picked this up on commentary, what Heyman said, but this is the match where he goes, what are you doing standing on our table? We don't speak Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear that. That's great. So uh, they're, both lads are te- teasing their finishes very, very early in this match. You get a ref bump super early as well. Chokeslam, one, two, Triple H kicks. So Taker beat, beats up Mike Kyoda. And I'm like, can he do that, Joey? This is not no disqualification. Yes. So I walk and brawl through the crowd up to the technical area, as JR puts it. It's it's basically where the sound desks are, it looks like to me. But it could be... It's where Miz and Shane McMahon went at a recent WrestleMania. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I feel very sorry for the camera op, who they regularly show, having to like fight his way through the people to get to these guys. Like It looks like a tricky job. Yeah, he must have that... He must have the lowest value camera as well because they're like, don't trust them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's only like, you know, 200,000, that one. So uh, chokeslam off the scaffolding platform thingy. But um, it's it's kind of weird. And it only seems to be two or three feet up. I mean, yeah, ow, but not sure this spot deserved the holy shit chant that it got. Especially, Clever camera work. But especially considering that, well, you say, mm, I take offense to that <laughs> because especially... As they immediately show the crash mat that they just fell onto. And then both <laughs> lads are laying on the crash mat and Taker jumps down and they're like, ah, fuck it. Just show the whole thing. It's two lads laying in a crash mat. There's big divots try- in the floor. <laughs> they are. They didn't make those divots. It's not permanent. Are you trying to suggest they haven't learned something from 2001? Like they may have not learned on a recent episode of Monday Night Raw in a pre-taped segment yeah. where I can't remember which wrestler jumped off the top rope and managed to land on the other side of their opponent. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. I like that bit. But like here, it's the crash mat is a different color to the uh, the arena floor. And they've also got like a black bit of material. They just bunged over the top of it. So the material is like coming off and you can clearly see there's these giant crash mats. They're on screen for what? two three minutes it's not a second or five seconds evidently i give you too much credit have you not seen how they set up a technical area in america especially in houston <laughs> texas with these colored mats with protection god you're, so sla- you're slating the way to do things <laughs> <laughs> so uh they make their way back to the ring okay and it's been what seven eight minutes at least i think that's fair to say since they left yeah, the ring? Most, mo- mo- most of this match was out of the ring. So Mike Yoda is still down. No medical attention for over five minutes at least. So I guess he's dead. <laughs> Technically, they're all having to go and administer assistance to people like Nikolai Volkov and Michael Hayes after the gimmick battle royal. <laughs> but I mean, is this the second murder at WrestleMania in our podcasts? Luckily, someone found some smelling salts for Mike Kyoda. <laughs> it's, 
<laughs> Tombstone hits for the taker, right? But Mike Kyoda is still dead in the corner. Taker lovingly gives Kyoda medical attention he needs. A bit of shoving, <laughs> which wakes up Kyoda. Uh, iconic moment where uh, Taker goes for the last ride powerbomb and Triple H has the sledgehammer in his hand, just smashes it into Taker's head because he loses grip of it. He's like, ah, oh, fuck, bang. <laughs> hits him as hard as he fucking can. It looks fucking great, to be fair to them. Taker busted wide open. I, I don't know if this was hard way, but if it's not, I've noticed that Taker loves the blade at the last spot of his matches. He does it. That's because it means, yeah, it's because it, he doesn't want to work with blood in his eyes. It must really hurt. This is what I was thinking. It's really smart because you still get the big baby face heat at the end of the match, but you don't have to wrestle the whole match with blood in your eyes. It seems quite smart, really. If you're going to blade. Working you know. as smart as you can. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, hmm. it's, I think it was Dusty Rose that said, you know, you don't blade. Well, how do you get over then? <laughs> and it's like in this time period, it's kind of true. Well, you, uh, again, yeah. I mean, if you look back at 13, if Austin wasn't bleeding yeah. in that sharpshooter, would it be as much of an iconic moment? Yep. I mean, I don't like any Rick, on, but, you know. Yeah. Would any Ric Flair match be good? <laughs> <laughs> uh, last ride by Taker Hits for the one, two, three. And your winner is The Undertaker. Yeah, it was all right. Nice motorbikes. This is why I liked Biker Taker at this time. Lots of really interesting, good Harleys and... So, yeah, we've got to the main event now, okay? Oh, yeah. And I'm just going to say it. You're not talking about the wrestling. You're talking about the fucking bikes. Because there's very little good wrestling on this show. Because <laughs> we've brought... No, no, no. Because, again, it has everything... For me as a wrestling fan, it has everything I want. I like Motorhead. Great. I like Triple H at this time. Great. Undertaker as biker. Great. Chokeslam off a, onto a, a very obvious crash map. I like to see the practice of safe wrestling. So I'm obviously taking the piss a little bit. This show is really, really good. But I did think about a line that would really piss a whole bunch of people off. I'm going to throw it at you because I think it's funny, okay? But this is not me saying a statement because I'm obviously explaining it, right? Um, AEW put on two shows this month which are better than this show. Uh, I mean, I, I haven't watched either show, but I assume one of them had the Young Bucks on, which means there'll be a lot of flippy shit. <sighs> and I already had good flippy shit in match nine, <laughs> which was the TLC. I can't believe you haven't watched uh, Double or Nothing still. It's so good. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm quite busy slash <laughs> refuse to pay 60. I refuse, refuse to pay 60 bucks to to watch the Young Bucks. <laughs> what do you mean? 60 bucks? I got it for $19.99. What, from Fight? Yeah. Nah, still not worth it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking torrent it, you cunt. It's genius. The main event how is one did, of the best matches I've ever seen in my life. I'm one of the highest respected R&D specialists in the oh, country. I'm not going to torrent shit. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut to Rocky walking I'm also not, by the way. No one has a fucking clue. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut to Rocky walking backstage. He looks so intense and ready. And like proper in his prime still got hair rocky you know um he's looking intense because someone said hi rock here's the finish <laughs> well yeah maybe so i mean you think about the last wrestlemania it was rocky coming up austin in his prime this is two years later now and austin with the neck injury and stuff is definitely beyond his prime here and rocky is just about hit his prime what six months ago i would say 
I think that's fair. Yeah, I'd say so. And so coming in, you're like, yeah, Austin gets the pop. and But Rocky is the heel here. And his pop, well, kind of the heel, I guess, is the best way to put it. Um, And his pop is gigantic still. These two are just fucking over. And I would say if you had to pick Rock Austin for this match, like as in who you thought did better, or who was more over? Oh, Rocky. You think Rock? Rocky. I think Rocky. Other than Austin's entrance, Rocky was more over, I think. Yeah. I, I kind of agree with you. I think um, I was a huge Austin Mark at this time as a kid and everything. But, you know, The Rock let me down. <laughs> Remember? <laughs> check it out in our archives at worldofwrestlingpodcast.com I don't know what oh it was Survivor Series 98 wasn't it yeah yeah. It was. but um okay so goosebumps because I know what's coming next the My Way promo like good lord what an edit like I'm a video editor for a living and there's bits that are kind of a bit weird in that like there's this kind of weird squished anamorphic footage they use at the end which kind of annoys me a little bit but the quality of content, of color use, of timing, of cuts, of the music, it's like, it's its perfection. The moments in this video package, it's as good as wrestling gets. Yeah, I believe this package was, I think it was a David Sahadi uh, promo package, which I think we mentioned briefly on the previous pods that he seems to be the one responsible for a lot of these top wwe uh packages and as you said just watching that and just the last line from austin's promo where it's like i I, i've got to win i've got no other choice yeah oh he's a man who's willing to do anything and everything (laughs) it's so good man so we get the mumbly disturbed version of austin's music but at least Austin, the challenger, is coming out first this time. Thank you. <laughs> this is how it's Correct. meant to be. Um, I'm going to be honest. The instrumental of this theme tune is fucking great. But hearing that twat disturbed singer going, just like, oh, fuck, it ruins it a little bit for me. This is the way I pray. Yeah. <laughs> I love disturbed. I mean, I don't. <laughs> Austin's kind of a bit over, isn't he, really? He is, and he is the reason why Vince McMahon was a billionaire. Yeah, sure. He's the only reason that WCW didn't put WWE out of business. I mean, because if you didn't yeah. have Austin against Tyson, absolutely, that that would been it. Yep. Sure, Michaels on the way out, especially if Michaels could have stuck around and got healthy, then I think he would have had a part to play. But WrestleMania 14 onwards, man, it was literally Austin until The Rock came into his prime, which is around now, really. Yep, 15, he was there as, as the corporate champ, yep. but this is the time where The Rock is now mainstream. So now you've got two huge stars battling out. Yeah, and the second I said that statement, I was like, well, really, two years ago, he was already drawing. But, you know, here is where they're making serious money. And if Austin wasn't here, it would still be okay because you've got Rocky. Yeah, you know, he, he, was, he was drawing, but he wasn't mainstream. Yeah. But at this point, he 100% is. The Rock is yeah. incredibly over. Well, as, as we get to... Um, 
when we talk about the aftermath, you know, he he's gone to go and do the Scorpion King shortly after this, which is the first taste of movie bits for The Rock. So that's yeah, he's definitely got his mainstream appeal. But this match, when when it got going, just that the hat tip to the uh, the beginning of fifteen, really nice. <laughs> so Rocky on the ropes jumps down into Austin, and Austin jumps him, and you're like, oh. That's like what they did at WrestleMania 15. That was good. <laughs> With the whole cutting him off as he tries to go to the corner and stuff. Yeah. That's what you were talking about, yeah? Oh, yeah. it's oh, so good. And off we go. Uh, I literally, I just decided to sit back and enjoy this because I haven't watched it for a very long time. Yeah. And We forgot to mention just before they started having their entrances, the thing said, this match is now a no Ooh, disqualification match. Disqualification, yeah, absolutely. Which is obviously what they forgot to say before Taker and Triple H, unless Motet drilled them out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, think doing the no disqualification is just, oh, it's iconic, man. So iconic. There's, uh, I've got a few little bits down about the match, but again, like, what the fuck are you doing if you haven't seen this match? Just, just go watch it, man. It's, it's not the greatest match of all time, but as moments go, it's, it's kind of important <laughs> as a wrestling yeah. fan. So Rocky looking for a place to blade is lying on the announce table, completely collapsed. Austin also self harms your viewing pleasure, and both guys are bleeding throughout the fucking most of this match. Huge throwback to WrestleMania 13, where Rocky's locked in a sharpshooter to a bleeding, screaming Stone Cold Steve Austin, who's desperately trying to get to the ropes. And they basically proceed here to do every cool, cool callback or you know reference to something else that happened in this feud. Uh, just over and over and over again it's so so good man austin's cell is just perfection the crowd are completely eating it up austin returns the favor by rocky um uh, doing the whole sharpshooter thing but rocky manages to power out just using his legs which i thought was a bit weird yeah because he's so strong i don't know if they fucked this up or whether austin just fell over because he had a bad knee or something because they go back into sharpshooter straight away but um, but both lads broke out of their respective sharpshooters by grabbing the bottom rope tacks in a no disqualification match. Can they do that, Joey? Also, what the hell, I'll have Like he's right there. <laughs> uh, so Austin with the Cobra, I mean million dollar dream. <laughs> yes, which obviously he used back as uh, what was the gimmick? The Ringmaster. Thank you very much. That I believe um, Heyman put over on commentary. Yep. And then they go to do the Brett Piper finish with the sleeper hold or the choke slam the, into the rollback yeah, into the rollback thing, but no, they kick out. You're like, oh, this is so cool. There's some deep cuts going on in this match. Uh, stunner by Rocky. Austin kicks it too. Oh no! Here comes Vince strolling down to the ring. People's elbow by the Rock. Vince pulls. Sorry, Vincent to pull the rock off, which is still funny to say. <laughs> of Austin. <laughs> it's what they said on commentary, that's why I'm saying it again. And Rocky looks fucking pissed. He turns around and does like the head tilt of Vince, and you're like, oh god, what's going on here? It was around this time when my VHS got out as a kid, so <laughs> I was pretty fucking angry at this moment. But the match continues. Rock bottom by Austin. Rocky kicks out. Ref bump. Low blow by Austin. Austin signals to Vince, and Vince obliges him by getting in the ring and swinging a chair over Rocky's head. 
a slow one, two, Rocky kicks out. These guys are kicking out fucking everything in this match. Uh, rock bottom by Rocky this time. Vince up to distract the ref and, and the rock. The rock lays the smackdown to Vince. Stunner by Austin. One, two. I was convinced this was the finish the second time I watched it, but Rocky kicks out. Vince hands Austin the chair this time. Massive shot right to the head of the rock. Completely terrifying and unprotected ripped his head off but rocky will not stay down he kicks out again so austin beats the shit out of the rock with the chair it's not mick foley rock levels of 13 headshots with this unprotected with the steel chair but it's it's uh it's effective he went for it yeah he went for absolutely. it absolutely vince counts along with baby l for the one two three massive pop for this heel turn which again maybe comment commentates itself or explains itself how effective this was but let's get there in a second so the winner and new world heavyweight champion stone Cold steve austin two and oh in the trilogy yeah vince and austin shake hands drink a couple of steve wises together jr finishes the show by telling us things will never be the same again austin attacks rock and we cut to the usual great post-WrestleMania video package, which I still don't understand how they edit in time to broadcast it into the show. It's yeah, it's very incredible. Impressive. Okay, so they turn Austin heel on The Rock by aligning Stone Cold Steve Austin with Vince McMahon. We know why, because the invasion angle is coming along, and this leads to comedy dumbass Stone Cold Steve Austin with Angle and Vince and the whole invasion angle stuff, which is... It's hilarious and fun, and they seem like they had a great time doing it. But was this a terrible idea? I th- the problem is, at this stage, with the Steve Austin character, and we didn't even touch on the fact that part of the storyline they started going to this was that Vince made Deborah the Rock's manager. Yeah. At the time, it was Steve Austin's wife, but... Because Austin and Austin you... leading into this storyline, we're kind of okay with each other. It's Vince that yeah, comes and De- in and drops Deborah into the angle, which pisses off Austin, which then in turn pisses off Rock, and then they start feuding more and more, you know? I think that the problem is that you've had the same Austin since WrestleMania 14. It's the same character going on for three years. Now, you've you've seen all the, the shoots and all the interviews afterwards where Austin wasn't happy with turning heel. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing that makes, which baffles me so much about this. Because, as you said, we go on to the invasion angle. We were going to have the um, the the two-man power trip. So the night after on Raw, we have Triple H, sorry, The Rock and Austin go up against each other in a steel cage match. Triple H comes down to the ring, faces off against like Austin like he's about to attack him and turn face. But oh, then he yeah. goes against The Rock. I remember that bit, yeah. I wonder if the whole idea with this was just try and build Triple H as the top baby face before he got injured in the match with Jericho and Benoit for the titles. Sure. Because it led to backlash when you had Austin and Triple H go for the he who have the gold, have all the power. Because Austin was WWF champ. Triple H won the IC belt, and then The Undertaker and Kane had won the tech straps, and then it was everything on the line at Backlash. I think that's the idea they were going because it was stupid. Because The Rock was off to Hollywood, as we said after this cage match. Rock gets written out 
through suspension, inverted commas, but then he's gone to record the Scorpion King. When he doesn't return till July, then it's part of the invasion angle yeah. as the top baby face. It's like you've turned your top face of your company heel and you don't have a top baby face to go against him because Triple H then got hurt. I mean, Captain so Retrospective it, here, but it does seem like the wrong way to go. You could have done Rocky Hill, which would have immediately been logical because he's done it at least two or three times before. You know, you could have used Rock to get Triple H over and Austin. But it's difficult to promote a film if you're supposed to be heel and you've still got some glimmers of kayfabe Mm. kicking around in the early 2000s. He was the villain in the film. Yeah, but you can't have him going around doing the movie sets when he's supposed to be a dick, when he's supposed to be endearing to try and get people to watch his film. I guess there's still some kayfabe in 19, sorry, 2001, isn't it? Yeah, so I think so. Well, and so I think that's that's why they kept The Rock. And, and again, it was just something different for Austin because what else could you do with him? Yeah, I mean, he'd wrestled all the top talent, but it, you know, as you said, it was more of a case of let's see if it sticks. And he's very lucky that he got to have that fight with Booker T in a supermarket. I mean, the question of what more could you do with Stone Cold Steve Austin? I don't think you need to do more with Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's the most over guy in existence. Just let him be Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know? I think that's the problem. But as they were they moving... tried to turn him heel, and I never hated him, ever. No matter how much dastardly shit he would do. I'm like, he's Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's a guy I like, you know? As we mentioned at, at the start of the pod, some two hours ago, um, thanks for sticking with us if you're still listening. Um, but we said that this was the end of the Attitude Era, which also meant this is what, the time they were transitioning to TVPG. So you wouldn't be able to have the Attitude Era Stone Cold Steve Austin doing what he does. So as a face, hmm. it wouldn't have worked. You couldn't have him giving people the finger, swearing, drinking beer all the time. You had to have him go and be this slightly watered down face version of himself. And it's just, you know, people I think would have shit all over it. But what were they going to do? They can't go, oh, we can get all these tax breaks and go into this like TV PG and get all this extra ad revenue for the, you know, to spite so, ourselves so, to make wait, money. So, wait, so knowing what you know, that he does never really gets over as a heel and that Rocky's fucking off and that Triple H gets injured, you still think it was the right idea? <sighs> I just I just can't see it would have worked for much longer as a face. And again, as you said, I think Steve Austin from the Attitude Era was great. I just don't think Steve Austin in the next era would have would have had the same reaction. I think I think they milked it for what it had. Again, I think had they gone with Austin turning heel back on McMahon at the end of it to get that feel-good factor, to get one over on Vince, that would have been fine. But then he's feuding with Vince again, which he's done for three years. Course, and yeah. there's only so much they could do. So I'd still, I still would have turned him, but I, I think it would have been a much better heel turn had he been able to have Triple H as his two-man power trip and then they turn into a feud to make Triple H as a huge overface. But sure. as we said, injuries and it just cost it and it just turned into a big old clusterfuck until um, Freddie Blassie told Steve Austin to come back in his truck and he beat all of the WCW <laughs> roster in one night with a pool cue. Sure. So I mean it's it's kind of a weird conversation to have because you know they've got to do something and they can't just leave it like as the status quo they need to have a change up obviously not just in terms of PG but in terms of characters and everything else on television. And, you know, they did make stars like Eddie, Chris Benoit, you know, um, Triple H, obviously. Um, Take Kane, obviously still there. Austin and Rock kind of float around. Um, but realistically, the next 
what two years a kind of shit for wf it's the invasion angle which we know is terrible and kind of all the aftermath of that and it takes a good few years before we get through to kind of like you know the end of the cena batista edge kind of white giant vanilla bullshit we had for a few years and it's kind of it's kind of weird for me in that i like wrestlemania 17 i know i'm being a bit of a dick throughout the podcast just kind of memes and whatever but it's it's kind of sad watching it in that i know this is the end it's very much the end of my kind of childhood fandom almost i definitely felt obliged to watch rather than i enjoyed watching so much after 2001 i i agree this was I still enjoy wrestling and there have been moments obviously since 2001 that I've really enjoyed and storylines have been quite good. Absolutely. But there hasn't been a time and partly again through adulthood, full-time work, you know, changing life circumstances that, as you said, it's, I still, after watching this, I adore this WrestleMania because for me personally, it has a bit of everything I like about wrestling. But the fact that after, had they not bought out WCW, the Austin Hill turn, I think, could have worked because they could have bought in a big baby face from the other company. Imagine if at some point they'd managed to get someone like Sting to come across had WCW been in business to feud with Heel Austin. Absolutely. Yeah. That would have been really, really good. But they had no competition. They had no ability to build, buy in talent because, I mean, who was who was top of any notable Western influence in New Japan? That, that that would have been at that time in early 2000s the only people they could have gone and got someone from and no one would have known who he was and based on how Vince booked Kai and Tai into the ground you know and, sure. and as you said after this we're looking at King of the Ring to Edge and Christian feud Austin turning heel was the end of the Attitude Era that was it it was gone and I agree with you in it's bittersweet to me this is still and always will be the greatest Wrestlemania of all time but it did mark an end of the boom period and my most revered and fond wrestling fandom at the end of wrestlemania 17 sure man so one of the things i wanted to ask you about is that you know how benoit and angle is like a starter match to their feud how the main event it's it's good, but it's not like a five star classic, really. Um, do you feel that this this show is missing the work rate match without the gimmick? You know, because they've got the TLC match, which is incredible, and it's a work rate match, but it's it's a stunt show. It's not like pure wrestling, you know. No, because I I get that personally from Jericho Regal and Angle Benoit, and considering the Attitude Era, I know we've said like Jericho Regal was seven minutes. Think what length of matches you were getting on Raw at the time anyway. You were getting like two, three minutes. So you're already getting double, triple that amount of time that you'd normally get to see these good wrestlers actually get to work a decent match. And Angle Benoit being around 15 minutes, a quarter of an hour of just good wrestling bell to bell if you exclude, exclude entrances. I said that's the, you can, that's what I like. But you compare that to like the last, hmm, let's go couple of years of nxt main events and it's it's not hmm it hasn't got the clean story and finish this is the beginning of the the story you know it's not the end which for me wrestlemania the greatest moments are those big finales 
And I, Angle Benoit. I just is think. Not no, but they, that, like we touched on earlier, the fact that after they bought WCW, they didn't know what they had. Had they had mm. this had the WCW takeover happened maybe two, two three months beforehand? And they're like, here are the wrist, here are the wrestlers we've got. Here's where we can go. I think th- they panicked a bit. I think they were a little bit of straw clutching. I know they would have had a view. You know, I know they're not going to buy WCW overnight. I know there would be weeks, months of negotiations to be able to get it. Although through what we read and what we hear, that the purchase was more like, do you want it? Oh, we only want the tape library. We don't care about TV time. Okay, um, uh, 20 million, 2 million, 3 million, whatever figure's been banded around. Yeah, all right, we'll do it for the tape library. As Vince, since the 80s, had wanted a network, ideally a TV channel. But yeah, it's just... I, I think because I've... Uh, it, it does everything for me, and I think the story's continuing. It was purely just by the fact they were like, oh, fuck what have we got? Because we don't want to suddenly like close everything off and have three months of not knowing and, and terrible television to follow up. And it was a big transition phase for the company from TV 14 to PG. But they had to carry some of these on. Like you said, like the China Ivory, just squashing her to give her the belt. Great. That gets to start something new. But you're not going to see China go, oh, brilliant. Stacey Keebler's signing. <laughs> yeah, sure. She's, she, I mean, Stacey Keebler did great things for test when she was in, and her managerial role of the Dudleys helped diversify them and give them different layers but from an in-ring standpoint it's like uh, what are they going to do no Jericho Regal that continued a little bit but then you had more Jericho and Benoit tagging to go against the two-man power trip uh, Raven still probably dead <laughs> <laughs> you know it's a, a lot of fun but as always in the Attitude Era you whilst everyone waxed lyrical about having storylines for everyone all at the same time as you said when you mentioned it earlier, you get to the last four matches of the card, excluding the gimmick battle royal, that's where you have the stories. You've got Shane and Vince, right, bought WCW and Father Son, all that jazz, great storyline. Undertaker Triple H, there's legit beef of oh, you think you've beaten everyone? Great. Both bad and wrestling then that matches few... though. But yeah, but look Vin- back at Vin- the Shane is comedy. But like yeah, not, not exactly. in a deliberate way. No, but it's fine. I see it as comedy and I enjoy it. The story's great and I love every moment of it because I love terrible wrestling, but it's it's terrible. Yeah, as I said, I, I think story story's going to WCW and also where do they go next? Because they don't know how much they've got, what they're going to do next. I mean, yeah, like I you agree. said, Right to Censor. Right to Censor was only bought in as a, like two fingers up to the USA Network who were telling them to tone things down at this stage as well. Well, it was also a convenient place to stick a bunch of people that had X-rated gimmicks that they couldn't do anymore. So, yeah, sure. Um, but like, I asked three questions at the beginning of this show. The best WrestleMania ever. I think I think it is. It I is. spent a long time For- going, is there a modern one that has more? And like, there's a better NXT show than this, in my opinion. I don't think there's a better WrestleMania. Manias have suffered in recent years because they've been seven hours long. Yeah, fucking hell. I think the the most recent one, which I think would potentially do it, would be 20, 25 and 26. 25 because you've got like Hardy versus Hardy, Taker, HBK, and then it it's just like the shit main event like we saw in the last well, Ride documentary. Hardy-Hardy match fucking terrible? It's better than what people think. If you go back and watch it... Okay. I seem to remember well, that actually match was quite awful, good. but like, yeah, Taker, um, HBK is... Taker, HBK, and then, the like I said in the last ride, when it was um, Triple H and Randy Orton were backstage and they looked at each other and they're like, ah, oh, fuck. 
And it's another great thing of a Triple H in a main event. He's fucked himself by putting the undercard on before him, like Rock Hogan <laughs> fucked Jericho Triple H. Sure. And uh, Randy Orton fucked <laughs> Triple H Randy Orton. Is it the best <laughs> WWE pay-per-view ever? I'm only talking like no. main roster pay-per-view, not NXT and stuff. No. There have been far better pay-per-views okay. than, this, than, than this WrestleMania. This, this, from a WrestleMania standpoint, is the greatest pay-per-view that they did of the WrestleMania brand. But there have been other pay-per-views that I found have been more enjoyable from a WWF, WWE standpoint than WrestleMania 17. Either it be for personal nostalgia or just how the wrestling f- flowed from start to finish. Sure. Uh, and so for the first two I'm just like yeah I agree with you I think it is the best Wrestlemania ever I don't think it's probably the best WWE pay for you ever um, but in terms of living up to the hype of this being like one of the greatest shows of all time and everyone goes on about how amazing it was um, it didn't really do it for me I'm going to be honest like there's matches I absolutely loved I love the set I love the commentary there's lots of things I really really enjoyed but um, it's I'm going to be honest I've watched three or four shows this week and this was not my favorite so yeah there you go. I, I said that i i would say if people on the topics of only wrestlemanias this is the greatest wrestlemania that we've had if you're looking on the grand scheme things of, of this is one of the greatest wwf shows ever it's very good but it certainly isn't the best and whilst obviously examples as we've run quite long sort of escape me now i think given a bit of time i go what wrestling shows do i think would be better than this and there have been even you know summer slams and rumbles are the ones i really enjoy as a wrestling fan as Mm. as just uh these are much more enjoyable shows for me start to finish um i mean even if you look at evolution that was a fantastic pay-per-view start to finish and some would argue that the women's as one? in the late the women's yeah, only okay. evolution because there was the other one but like, don't worry about it. <laughs> but yeah so um you look at that as a as a pay-per-view start to finish and while some of the action was drib drab because it was something that was decent had great in-ring action good storytelling all the way through and headlined by a bella you know <laughs> <laughs> would you consider evolution better than wrestlemania 17 because the in-ring sure. work was certainly better than what we saw at Mania 17. Mm. And again, from my standpoint, as you said, if you a lot of these matches, I think, would still stand up in modern times. Obviously, TLC would, from a comedy standpoint, Vince and Shane would still be funny. Raven, in the, the comedy stuff stands up in time. Angle and Benoit would have Benoit not done horrific things. And Rock Austin, purely for the pops and the reactions of the crowd, would stand up. There's lots of but caveats you said earlier, in those words there. Lots and lots of yeah, caveats. But, lots of, like, oh, this exactly. would be the best if this, and would be the best if this. So it's not, because it doesn't, <laughs> right? No. No, what I'm saying is it t- to the modern fan. <laughs> well, if we're that's talking what I'm best saying, before you time, you have to with modern shows. You can't just ignore well, no, modern fans. No, no, are we talking purely mania? Are we talking shows? Um, in general I'm just talking will it li- does it live up to the hype that, that's what i asked and uh it lives up to the hype if you're comparing only manias if you're comparing oh, it as so a standalone wrestling show no. <laughs> jesus no, but that, that's the thing <laughs> when people talk about the greatest show of all time are they talking purely wwe or are they talking all of wrestling because if it's all of wrestling no chance who knows if they're talking- way too long let's finish the yeah. podcast hello everybody it was absolutely lovely to do this again i missed it last week man thank you very much man this is good fun
always always a pleasure next week part three of the trilogy absolutely wrestlemania 19 i definitely don't want to watch another wwe wrestlemania show from the early, mid 2000s oh sorry early 2000s for quite a while after WrestleMania 19 i think but, um, don't worry we get we get a treat of watching brock land on his head next yeah, week yeah awesome but i'm gonna be trying to be positive about it uh so let's let's do it man um yeah cornflake ratings go on five okay i go i'm gonna give it a generous four it's closer to a three than a five but it's a four just for that sounds fucking TLC good. match is fucking amazing and jeff hardy is an absolute don for taking those bumps like jesus christ terrifying where can people find you on social media i'm at fanboy rich on twitter i don't i'm on instagram i don't use it but yeah just twitter hit us up i'll chat to you I'm at the Tex Williams on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And obviously the best place to interact with us is at World of Rest Pod on Twitter. And you can get access to our archive at worldofwrestlingpodcast.com. If you like what we do, support us. Head over to amazon.co.uk or .com. Search World of Wrestling Podcast. Grab yourself a t-shirt as the sun is out. Time to get some t-shirt tango in. Yeah, I haven't watched this show in a very long time. And uh, it was great fun doing it again, man. Appreciate it. Happy days. Everyone loves a heel turn. <laughs> See you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you.